bowels of One Half Radio Plaza at Life Media Studios. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Real Country Radio. Congratulations, Detroit. You can be thoroughly ashamed of yourself. The homicide tool has reached a nice even 750. Details on the latest leveling from Police Sergeant... Coming up now, we're going to start off the set with... In the morning. Bucketless Tigers could use this guy's talent. Have you had time to get ready? <clears throat> I don't waste any time getting ready. I stay ready. <laughs> and ready we are for this man, Brian Lones. Hey. And look at you with the IH hat, bringing that in strong. Got to come in hot with the red power, man. What am I doing here, right? You got to come in and make a statement. I love so it. Does that mean does that mean that we're going to have it out before the end of the night, or what? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying I'm to set his, the tone. His side to start, so we're ready, Rip. I'm trying to set the tone. <laughs> that works. That works, Brian. It's good to finally talk to you in in person, so to speak. You bet. No, it's great to be here. I'm in my. Uh, this is like the studio I do a bunch of recording in, so I'm 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 isolated from the rest of the world, so I could scream and yell about whatever you guys want me to at this point. That's fine, <laughs> dude. Is that door come on central right there? This is kind of it. This is kind of it. Yeah, this is it. This is where the room. No one can hear me screaming here, so it's good. Fantastic. Everyone's got to have a room like that. Mine is right. my car. <laughs> So I I'll, I didn't want to like you know do this tr- traditional interview style because we've done that with you before like you know we the, the story yeah. I think about you has been really well told and that's awesome and it, what I really wanted to do is like access your brain I want to get into uh, right from the hop like perspectives on the sport you know the way that things have gone into 2023 I feel like there is a lot of momentum behind auto racing. And you're yeah. certainly seeing that with sellouts and stuff like that. But I really wanted to see what, you know, from your perspective and, and the, the height that you you see things from, what are you seeing? I guess I would start on the uh, the, the fan perspective side. What's out there? Is is the momentum genuine? Is it is it post-COVID, like we're ready for this? We want something? What are you seeing? Yeah, no, I think, it's, I think it's a couple of those things. I think it's, um, uh, you know, I think, when I look at, I look at a lot of stuff. I look at obviously drag racing to me is important because it's how I make my living. So uh, I want people to show up to those races most importantly, right? I want to look out the window and see crowds there, which we are. We're seeing, we're seeing great crowds. St. Louis was a blowout last weekend. Dallas is looking really good coming up and we've had some misses. Like we need to get better in Seattle. Uh, There, there are cities where we go to where it's like, how are we so good here and how are we not good there? And I don't think that's an isolated thing to drag racing. I think that's, that's really something we can look at in almost any motorsport. I think we can look at even, even NASCAR, which is like the, you know, 800 pound gorilla in the room. We can look at them and say, they go to, they go to Darlington and blow the place out. They go to Bristol and why is Bristol not what it was anymore? So I think, I think we can all ask ourselves these questions and, whether it's, you know, there's, to me, there's like their anchor, almost anchor motorsports events that are like bellwethers outside of the norm stuff where it's like, like Gravel-Rama, right? Gravel-Rama has been going on for so long. That's, what is it, 50-something years, right? 
Like yeah. that's one of those events where to me, it's like, if those guys are still selling that thing out and killing it there, it's like, that's a good sign. You know, I think there are certain things that have been so entrenched and have been going on for so long that we can use them as a different marker than an event that maybe gets hit, you know, in a city that's fair weather. And and that, and that goes across all motorsports. But yeah, I think, I think we're in a good spot. I really, you know, I, I, it's tough to stand and be like, oh, well, you know, we're at risk, which there are parts of all this that are at risk. But I think in the, in the whole scheme of things, I don't think we're in a bad place right now. And that, and that goes across the board. You're touched on being gravel Rama just like elevated you another level in my mind. Dude, Cleves, Ohio. It's, 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 if there was a kid in the eighties, if there was a child in the eighties that liked monster trucks and didn't revel in the video of Bigfoot finally getting over the top of the eliminator, like get out of here. Like that was, I don't care who you are. If, if you, even if you were just the, the kid that walked by the TV when that happened, that was one of the greatest things of all time. I mean, it really was awesome. It's a moonshot to get up that thing. And they did it on 66-inch tires. And I think the story was, like, they used to make him do it at night and after the whole, after everybody else had tried, so the thing was hollowed out. But it was just, like, I just remember seeing that as a kid on one of those videos and just being, like, this is the coolest stuff of all time. I thought it was great. But, yeah, but that event, I remember reading about it, like, since I was old enough to read I first magazine I ever got as a kid was Four Wheel and Off-Road. That was the first subscription I ever had. And so, like, they would cover that event like it was the U.S. Nationals, because at the time it kind of was for, for yeah. dirt truck events. And so I've always kind of had a thing about Gravel-Rama. And to me, it's like you look at that culture and you look at that event, and as long as that thing is blown out, it's like, okay, that's healthy. What are you seeing is the thing that reaches out to you, the, the fandom out there? And, you know, social media is a big deal, whatever. But like, what's getting, what's the, what's the thing that, that, and I don't mean by, I don't mean by process necessarily. I mean by content. What's the thing that is connecting and is, is it, is it the drivers? Is it us at the level that we're at? Is it the, is it the sanctioning bodies? Where's the touchstone coming from that really connects? The one thing that connects, like the, the nexus of all of it, right? Whether it's the, whether it's the guys presenting the event, whether it's the people participating in the event, whether it's the people watching the event, the one the, the, the top of the triangle is honesty. Okay. And it's the most, un, it's the most uncomfortable part of the event, which is like the weird thing where, so when you have drivers or competitors that are honest about, about how much they want to win, how much, what they want to say, how much this means to them, what they feel about the person they're competing against and then you bring it to the next level and you have the people presenting the event that are honest about, listen, either these two people love each other. Or they don't. It's not my my job to tell you how much they hate each other, but I don't have to tell you that they're best friends. And then presenting the event in a way that's like this person has been struggling for X, Y and Z reasons. Here's the numbers. Here's the here's the, the hard data that tells me that. Um, and then the fan gets to gets to take their own kind of part of that but any other sport like whether it's baseball football hockey whatever it is like the honesty of the competition the honesty of the competitors and the honesty of the way it's presented is why people love it so much and so in motorsports my opinion is we often run into a problem where 
we have a very kind of closed society and it is right. Whether it's, it doesn't matter what motorsport you're in. It's a really kind of locked off society where people are so into each other's feelings or they're so interconnected where it's like, well, I, I can't say that about that guy or you can't say that about that guy. Well, it's like the hell I can't. I mean, if, if, if we're calling this professional motorsports, I don't care if it's professional tractor pulling, professional mud bogging, professional drag racing, professional IndyCar racing. If you qualify it with the first word professional, then this is what we got to be. Right. If you're going to be a professional, if you're going to be a professional podcaster, you have to be able to stand there when someone says, well, this sucks. And this is why I think it sucks. You don't have to agree with them. But you have to subject yourself to it because you're calling yourself a professional. I think that's, to me, that's what it is. Boy, did you just, have you been listening to our shows? Like, I just mm-hmm. feel like you've heard everything <laughs> I've ever said. <laughs> but it's the hard part. It's the hard part. And it's the hard part where, you know, it, it's, I say this about drag racing all the time where it's like, okay, guys want to say we want to be big time. Okay. How big time you want to be? Because we can all be comfortable with the level we're at. We can all be here and be comfortable. But if you want to be big time, like real big time, your whole life's going to change. Yes. And maybe not. And, and I'm not saying I don't want it. I want that. I want all of it. Like I want the whole, I want the whole poop show. I want it all. Right. But you also, you got to take it where it goes, you know, in any sort of racing series, motorsport, whatever, People get away with stuff. People do stuff. People kind of like whatever. But if you're going to be big time, then the spotlight's on you. And that and that changes the whole thing. Sure does. Yeah. You've got to be willing to accept that target on your back, so to speak, yeah. and, and be have the broad enough shoulders to accept what's going to come at you. And, um, well, you know, the, the relaunch of this show, I, I, I got beat up on quite a bit. So <laughs> it's all right. But listen, and, and, and it's a, the whole thing's a growing process. And that's one of the things I say to people all the time. And, and you get it, I'm sure. And, and I get it, but it's like friction, you know, friction is growth and, you know, friction, meaning that, well, well, nobody's ever talked about it this way before. Nobody's ever said this about this before, and it makes people uncomfortable and that's fine. But if you are rooted, rooting yourself in fact and rooting yourself in data or rooting yourself in anything but your own personal opinion that cannot be verified by anything but what you think, it's okay. And, you know, that's we we talk about a lot of stuff. And, and, and I think in, in, in motorsports, as long as you are backed up by some factual information by saying, hey, listen this driver kind of sucks in these situations (laughs) and the numbers say they kind of suck in these situations. Like you can be mad at me for saying it, but you can't be mad at me for making it up. And that's, that's a part of me. That's, that's one of the things I take to the bank. Yeah. There was uh, if you can point at the scoreboard and say scoreboard. Yeah. That's that's it. That's game set match. Yeah. Absolute fact. Absolute fact. And that's come up during the course of the season, you know, for NHRA and with certain individuals. I I won't I won't go there. I won't put you on the spot. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's happened. Yeah, and 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 you know, one of the things like, you know, Tony I and Tony is one of my best friends. I I talked to Tony 
constantly. We we text each other like we're twelve year old girls, like we're really good friends. One of the things I love about Tony is that his honesty is right down to the right down to the to the granite. I mean, it may not be something you want to hear, but unfortunately, it's not something you can refute, and it makes a lot of people mad. But I admire his approach in that it's honest as hell. Whether you want to hear what he has to say or not, it's honest. And there's a lot of people that hate him for it because traditionally the fan base in our sport and drag racing, it's always been like, oh man, well, good run by that guy, bad run by that guy. But that doesn't make it a sport, right? No. Like if something becomes arbitrary, like, well, that person did a better job than that guy for reasons known only to the universe. Not a sport. That's that's flipping coins into a fountain, right? That's that's nothing. And, and that's the good thing that, that that's what Tony will bring into that is that he's been there as a driver and been through those sort of scenarios. But even beyond that, um, his predecessor, uh, Mike Dunn, would do the same thing. He'd been yes. there in the seat and was like, you know, this, this is frankly bullshit, and I'm going to yeah. follow this touch. Yeah, no, Mike was right there. Steve Evans is right there. You go back to the nineties and Evans like calling out the pro stock guys for diving for each other. Like it was all, it was all right there. It was all honest. And it was all like, to me, that's, that's the way this, any sport needs to be upheld. And it's like, you know, uh, you guys are pulling guys, but like when I was growing up watching the, you know, watching the stuff on TNN on Sundays, like why did the Banner brothers freaking kill everybody? Cause they were better at it. Like they, they were, were better. better at it. It wasn't, it wasn't yes. a guess. It wasn't magic. It wasn't like a voodoo doll. They were freaking better than everybody else. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah. You, uh, you, and you bring up that with, I know that comes from a, a genuine place. You pay attention to a lot of other stuff when it comes to motorsports. It's not just drag racing all the time. I mean, that's, yeah. that's where you're known and that's where you come from, but you really are, you got your finger on the pulse of a lot of stuff and that comes through through the bankshift.com and, and the website. And, and we're going to get to something else in a minute um, uh, that I really want to, I told you I wanted to highlight on, but like you, you have the, the bandwidth for a lot of things. Yeah. yeah we I don't know that... how you do it either, by the way. <laughs> we have no idea how the hell you do it. Well, I think, you know, listen, the, the I'm not going to give away the secret sauce here, but my, you know, to a degree, my job is to be plugged into, into as much stuff as I can be, but it's like, I just really like it. I, I like, I like the idea. And, and as you guys know, there's a lot of crossover and a lot of this stuff. Like there's, there's people that there are people that have a hand in this or have a hand in that. Like I know guys that are involved in like the amount of guys that have worked for NHRA teams that work for IndyCar teams or the, that work for IndyCar teams and now work for NHRA. Like, it's insane. Like, you would not think the two things would ever go together, but everybody is based in Indianapolis. Say, and they're, they're all really all within 10 miles of each other. Yeah, and they're all really good mechanics. So, like, you can train an IndyCar guy to work on a dragster. You can train a dragster guy to work on an IndyCar. So, so I, I feel like I have kind of a leg up on following some of that stuff and even the sports car stuff to a degree because so many of the IndyCar teams also have a sports car team. So a lot of the drag racing guys have kind of flopped over there. But to me, you know, I work with Todd Vanny, yeah, Ken Vanny's his dad. So I get to hear about, you know, Ken Vanny's insanely awesome, you know, I immortal triumphs that just don't stop. I mean, it's 
friggin' bonkers. So to me, it's like when I hear about that, then I go and look at the results to see how everybody else did. So a lot of it is almost by default, but I do try to, you know, I, I try to, I try to just keep my ear down to the, down to the railroad tracks. Cause I love a lot of this stuff. I grew up loving it as you guys did. And I think it's just fun to see what's going on. And I don't, I don't, I don't understand people that just pigeonhole themselves to this. Oh, well, I like this and I'll never do this. I mean, Charlie, you just at the, you were just at Wagley. These guys running sub fours in the eighth you, in a freaking cornfield. You, you freaking know. Dude, that was that's, unbelievable. We yeah. set the diesel world record, 387.7 yeah. at 191 miles an hour. And one of the other guys in his class has run four O's at 195. So like, we're, and we're hearing that come 2024, there's like potential for five more dragsters to come out and everybody's going to be swinging for the fences. Like it's, this is going to get stupid and it's going to be really fun to watch. So what has, and now I'm going to flip the tables on you, but what has caused that? Like why, why is that moment happened where now there's five, six other people coming out with cars? And I want to know why, cause I think it's great. I think for the longest time we had uh, Jared Jones in the, in the shy car who was the thing in, in diesel dragster. And they were kind of the standard bear and they were they 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 felt like the colossus right they yeah. were the guys who were right at the forefront of the things and and no one could touch them and finally some guys decided you know what i want to go for this yeah and I, and I think we can do something and to make a distinction the shide car is mechanical because that's what shide wants that's sure. how they, that's how they came up came up with uh, stuff it's it's a p-pump well p-pump it's right and they're spraying right. with nitrous now, and, and it you know it, it boogies, it gets down. And Jared has always said we wanted somebody who would come after us and, and challenge us. And guys are finding out that hey, now I can go build this lawn dart where I don't have to figure out a four link. Yeah, I don't have to chase chassis setup. I mean, they do, but it yeah, it it, it, it is a bit simpler. And I can, and on top of that, I don't have to be a clutch car like they are. I can I can put in a tur- you know a turbo four hundred and a torque converter and suddenly like there's an opportunity there to go really quick and guys did it this year and we saw we saw multiple cars come out and 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 the opportunity was there everybody was down in four point being essentially rookies and yeah, that's so now awesome. that now the appetite has been whetted there's these chassis that have been sitting in shops for a couple of years like okay. Now I can do this too. And they're ready to do it. And I I'm, I'm down for it. So did most of these guys or all of them come out of four wheel drive trucks or what, what did they come out of to do this? Yes. Um, yes, they did. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. The shy, shy guys came out of that. Yep. Um, Cordova who set the record did um, Maddie Graves, who was the previous going in this weekend. Yeah. Maddie. Yeah. Her father has been around it for a long, long time. Yes. And had a shop and did it. Um, the next guy's coming. Josh Scruggs was a one-time pro street record holder. Now he's going dragster. Nice. Um, uh, Mark Broviak, who has a chassis, he is the current world record holder in a pro mod with an Allison transmission. Um, the Wagler bunch has a couple cars coming, and you know what Jeremy's done. Oh, yeah. these are all guys, yeah. these are all guys yeah. who've done it and been around it. We don't we don't yet have the guy who's coming out of left field like, oh. This guy wants to play. We're waiting for that. So the next question is like, where is the main geography for most of these guys? Like, where are they mostly coming out of? East of the Mississippi. Is there is there a is there a a concentration like most of these with with the series? It's the Outlaw Diesel Super Series. Our our races are concentrated um, east of that. 
Um, there is the, the National Hot Rod Diesel Association has been revived yeah. west of the Mississippi, and they travel big time. I mean, they go from Washington to Texas, so like it's tough uh, for travel for them. But there's 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 fast stuff out there too, and and the ultimate goal is to get them built back up to where they used to be, to where we can have like a fall East versus West brawl in Texas. Uh, it's so like which NHRA event do we do we need to get four of these guys at to just throw down? That's the big uh, question. Uh, I think a great one would be Ennis with the 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 week of nitro or the whatever they call it. Like bring that to Texas. Yeah, but no, I'm, I'm talking about like a normal of like and, and listen, Stampede of Speed is awesome. Yeah, but like, is it is it Indy? Is it St. Louis? Is it like to get them where if we can showcase them? Like we do a lot of showcases with the streetcar guys. You just said, but like if we if we get four of those guys in to qualify and then run run a two rounder on Sunday like what what is the best geography for that cuz i think that's something we got to do like to me that is a emerging thing we got to get on yeah i'm going to be i'm going to be selfish i'm going to be selfish brian sorry sorry for the uh the uh, black box i'm currently driving that's the black box talking <laughs> yeah but i'm going to be selfish and say st louis because i almost came and visited you this weekend and uh, made a longer road trip out going on, but uh, that's that's my vote, St. Louis. Yeah, I I have no problem with that, and I think most of the guys who are in in this at that level would say St. Louis is doable. Yeah. So that's when we got to figure out, and we don't need to obviously we want to be off a weekend that they're actually going to race somewhere. So that, yeah. but we've been trying to do this for years, where we bring in a lot of different stuff, like whether it's X two seventy five. We brought in some of the big tire no prep guys. We we've run the drag week guys, but like having. Having four good diesel dragsters in would be effing awesome. That would be killer. Right. Right. And something I want, I, I guess I want to I want to stand on my soapbox about this one. And this is something actually I want you to comment on too, is the perception of diesel as a motorsport. Everybody wants to think about, you know, this smoke flying and oh my gosh, we're choking to death and they're yeah. killing the ozone layer and blah, blah, blah. And what they don't realize is especially on the diesel side, we're doing double power adder. We're doing yeah. turbo and we're doing nitrous. Yeah. And the fastest guys are pushing in their, their, their air fuel ratio way deep to like 30 to one air to fuel ratio. And the <laughs> oh fuel quantity, the fuel quantity that's going through these cars to make 3000 horsepower and trap door at 95, 195 miles an hour. It's minuscule versus yeah. what a methanol car is going to do to the same thing. Yeah. And so there is efficiency there. Like, don't hate us because you can see the emissions. Yeah. Hate us because we're faster than you with less fuel. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh I think there's a few things at play there. The first one is uh we, you know, we yeah, we live in a society of people that are just not intelligent for starters. Like, oh, there's a the thing I can see. So that's the problem. Well, you know, birds are fake, you know, the whole thing, but um yeah, I think they're, you know, listen, the diesel side of things has 27 hurdles to overcome that other people don't. You have the Volkswagen thing, which any person that, you know, licks the grass every morning and, and grabs their, you know, grabs their oak on the way to work, uh, they think, oh, dieselgate, thank God we stopped that from happening, saving our planet. Um, no, like... The, 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 the full combination of every single one of those cars is more efficient than half the stuff that was going out the gate at anybody else's place. Right. So you can go to the base on that, but yeah, I think as far as diesel on the side of motorsports, I, I honestly think that the, the entirety of the rest of motorsports, you know, like 
listen, look what, uh, what was it? Audi. And, uh, I think it was Audi that went out there and won Le Mans like nine yeah. years in a row with a diesel yeah. engine, right? They, they went yes. there and just crushed them. And it, so there's that we have seen Shide come out. Um, obviously John Robertson from Texas seen him, uh, several times, like running top dragster and stuff. I don't yeah, think anybody. One. What's that? One. Very, he's another one. Very similar car to Shide's car. Yep. Yeah. And I don't think there's anybody that's established in racing that looks at a diesel anything and says, oh, that's garbage or that's junk. But, yeah, I think there is a perception of, well, there's smoke. So this is just is just killing my, you know, killing my next generation of children, which I don't know how you get around that um, other than education. But, uh, you know, it's a it's a bad it's a lame thing to look at to your point where it's like consumption wise, these things are burning nothing. They're burning nothing. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's what we are learning in the, it's, it's fun to watch and be on the inside of and watch that straight up learning curve that's going on right now with, with us is that we now have the, uh, have standalone engine management, which is something the sparkplug guys have been playing with for 20 years. Yeah. And we're all of a sudden going, Oh my, we can pull all this stuff. <laughs> Holy <laughs> crap! And right. you know, it's just like it's it's just you watch you watch lap to lap with somebody where they they sit there and they flip the laptop open and they're looking at the dialogue and going, "That did that." Oh wow! Yeah, and, you know, it's it just it's just the build upon build. But in our world, there's like four guys doing what in a spoiler plug, plug world. 15 years ago, 300 guys were doing. And we're trying to sort that out and understand things um, on a level that just, you know, hasn't been, hasn't been probed before. Yeah. But the curve is the same though. So like to me, um, and I don't know any good, you know, gasoline guys that have gone over to, to tune diesel stuff, but I, I suspect at some point you'll see, uh, you know, you'll see a, a couple of, in my opinion, anyway, and I, I don't know any of this happening for fact, and it may not be happening for fact, but it would it would shock me if a couple of really good gasoline tuners, Shane Tecklenburg level guys, didn't get a phone call from a diesel guy and say, hey, listen, uh, maybe get a look at this. And at the end of the day, you're, you're dealing with the same factors. You're dealing with traction, like wheel speed. Really, you're, you're dealing with the basic kind of functions and it's how you deliver that to the rear axle to get your car to the finish line is what's going to make the difference and so you know i know again i'm not comparing because i know there's guys that are listening to this going oh some gasoline guy is not going to show up here and and teach us something we don't know and you're probably right but what the what the gasoline guy can teach you is some of the data points that you've never looked at before right so you can teach him how your motor works and he can look how the rest of it works and say, here's what we need to do to make the whole package work. Um, the, the most interesting part to me of the diesel side of things, especially the performance we saw last weekend, is the best part of drag racing is when we get classes and categories when we don't know where the bottom is. And we have no clue where the bottom of this is yet. Right? So if we got dragsters that are cracking the 390s, great we got a long way to go from there. And that's what makes this exciting, right? When on the other side of things, like when we get, we get guys, you know, we're waiting to see 340 out of a top fuel car where if the weather lines up in Texas next weekend, we're going to see it. Um, 
we I'm not saying we're going to see 340 out of a diesel dragster at any point soon, but we're going to see way more than 390 out of them, way more than 380 out of them, and it's harnessing that power that's going to be the fun thing to watch. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of back and forth going on. Uh, the Firepunk guys who had been the first guys to do a, a three in eighth mile diesel, yeah. they went to Reese Brothers. I said, we need help. Like, yeah. we, we're, we're out of our element at this point. They came out with that 70 duster, and the Reese brothers talked him into, like, let's do a Liberty 5 speed with a tie drive in this car. Yeah. <laughs> they, they did it. And this weekend, they became the first tie drive customer, I think, to figure out how to take a turbo car and bump it into staging. And it worked sweet. And they had a 0.960 foot which is awesome. They also figured out a way to break it, which no one has ever done before. <laughs> that was impressive. That was really impressive. And listen, so, I know I know the Miller boys kind of strike people different ways in the diesel world, but I've had I've had nothing but positive dealings with Levon, his brother, and all those guys. I've known them since the very beginnings of the Diesel Power Challenge back in the day when I was out there with them, and those guys showed up and just literally showed everybody the way home multiple times. Yeah. I mean, it was like when the, when Levon and his brother showed up and those guys came out the first time, and then I think they won it three times straight till they told them not to come back. It was like that, that was men playing with boys. And so that's to me, the way they approach a lot of this stuff, the way they've grown their business. Um, and yeah, you go to the re I mean, and to me, it's like this, it's a great union The the Reese brothers are, those guys are genius level, like what they've done on radial cars and what they've done on even big tire pro mod cars. They're kind of innovations on that side of things for them to be involved in this type of stuff is just fantastic. I, I told Lynn uh, Friday night when he said, we're out, this is what we broke. And he showed me pictures and I said, you know, all right, that sucks. But a year from now, when we're back here again and you're running eighties on the regular, you're going to, yeah. you're going to laugh about this. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the old saying is that you know the pioneer is the guy that got arrows shot in their ass. That's 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 how the if you're going to be a pioneer, you're going to end up with an ass full of arrows, but yep. it's your ass, so it'll be right. it'll be punctured. But it's not that's the, those aren't fatal wounds. You know, you figure it out and you move ahead. Yeah, I've been monopolizing this, Ryan. I want you to get in here on this. Uh, I think we ought to go to the comments. And, and first, and, and <laughs> never go no, to the, no. never go. No, to no, 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 no. This, this is good because Jeremy Wagler single-handedly takes Jeremy Wagler single-handedly takes responsibility for the reason that there's not more diesel dragsters. Yes, because he, he needs to get off his ass and get some things done. Yeah, um, yeah you need you need to get that we, screw coupe sold and get the screw blower back in the dragster and get Jaylee's done. So you have two. Yeah, because there's all of the time for that. Jeremy well, that engine, the engine bar beyond the car it was in the engine itself is a is a, a masterpiece of mechanical engineering. I mean, the thing is, the thing is just beautiful. Did but you yeah. ever get to hear it run when he was driving it out of SEMA? Yes, I oh, actually heard that. So, the only and thing louder is today? a nitro engine. That's amazing. It's it's still it's still echoing off uh, off of Havana Trunks building uh, Trump's building out there. So pretty the, much La Fontainebleau. Yes. LaFontaine Blue is still uh, echoing off that thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's loud and it's nasty. I I had the uh I'll say stupidity to stand you know the track side when he when Andre Dusek launched it at his home track. And yeah, I will I will say that a screw blown diesel 
the only thing louder is a nitro engine. Yeah. Alcohol All the noise. cannot hold a candle to that. Can't. Can't. Yeah, centrifugal yeah. blowers make some noise, but a screw blower is a legitimate amplifier of awesomeness. Yeah, that's a fact. Yes. Yes. Mm. And on top of that, during daylight, it shoots header flames. So that's really <laughs> cool, too. Double win. Double win. Yeah. So Brian, I got a couple. I got a couple of easy ones for you. When's the last time you've been to a tractor pull? Your schedule is so damn busy. How it was? Did you uh, ever get to go? Yeah, I think it was three years ago. Three years ago, I want to say we were in. It wasn't Denver. We were out west somewhere, and I, I was able to. When I got in, we got finished on a Friday afternoon. I blasted out with a couple guys to a Friday. Night. I got to remember what race we were at, but it was a Friday afternoon out west somewhere. Might have been Arizona side. I don't know if it was Phoenix, but it was definitely one of the Western races that I grabbed a couple of the guys from the crew. We got done at like five, and those guys got going to like seven. And we got out there, but it was a couple of years. And it was just a it was a local poll. It wasn't anything big, but it was just kind of cool to take some guys out there who had never seen it. How'd they react? They loved it. I mean, that that's the thing. You you put this in front of anybody and they enjoy it. Cause all of a sudden it's 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 like I told them we were going in the thing, like what should, it's like it's Samson trying to pull the temple down on top of himself. Like that's what it is. It's it's yes. like this it's this chained up crazy ass thing that's just trying to get away. And that to me is the best part of it. It's like the you know, the drag cars they get to they get to escape. These guys this thing doesn't get to get away. Like it's hooked to the it's hooked to the the sled, so it's going nowhere. But it's it's freaking awesome. Appreciate that. That's that's exactly how it feels, even in the seat. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's cool. That's that to me. That's you know I I took Freiburg at his first pull, and the, the first thing he ever said was, "This is the most brutal dyno pull I've ever seen in my life." Yes. That's the way he described it. This is the most brutal dyno pull I've ever seen in my life, and that's exactly what it is. Three hundred foot dyno. Yeah. If it, yep. and it, and it's three hundred foot dyno anymore. If you suck. It's like three hundred thirty foot dyno for good. <laughs> right. Yeah, if you want to, yeah, get at it. Yeah. If you're, if you're playing for keeps. So you've talked a lot about about um, V eight V eight powered uh, classes. Uh, who are your favorites growing up? Can Vinny always won? I mean, once he got into it, and I mean, obviously you have the Vinny connection now. Yeah, well, um, you know, that guy, so I knew who he was as a kid. I ne I never really understood who he was until I became an adult and worked with his dad, worked with his son and really kind of got the whole picture. And then, you know, I knew he was a great alcohol racer and all that other stuff. But, like, um, you know, obviously the O'Bannon guys back in the day were pretty awesome to watch. I mean, I just, I just remember literally the guys that I would watch, the guys I would watch on TNN every Sunday. You know, those are, those are the guys that I knew and pulled for. And, you know, believe it or not, uh, in Massachusetts, I uh, wasn't necessarily pulling central up here. Oh, really? uh, so I lived, okay. I lived a lot through, I lived a lot through, you know, my TV on that stuff. We had a local garage that was like a, not even a mile from my house. These guys were the banter brothers and they had a four wheel drive pickup truck that they pulled that I thought was really awesome. Uh, they were like the only kind of race team in my town, but they would have the thing in their shop. And I would kind of ride my bike up there on the weekends. There was a pizza place right by them, and they were cool. Like they would let me and my buddy Ryan go in and hang out in their shop. And they had 
this thing had a big block Chevy in it with aluminum heads on it. I mean, it, it probably maybe a Rodec motor. It wasn't like any sort of crazy over the top thing, but like being able to hang out in their garage and just kind of watch them work on the truck and grab them a wrench when they told us to, like that was one of the things I think that endeared me to pulling, but it was just some local, you know, four wheel drive truck team, but they were, uh, they were just normal, normal dudes. It was cool. You guys were working on something with your son. Um, you were working on a Funk V8 conversion on an 8N Ford. Yeah, so, so so the tractor is the tractor's still got the the, the four banger in it. I got a 1943 Dearborn snowplow in the front of it that I found in New Jersey last year, and the flathead block is at the machine shop right now. So um, the the Funk conversion will happen. The block is actually being machined right now. It, it's taken me way longer than I had planned to do it, but yeah. So that thing will have a uh, that thing will have a will have a V eight in the front of it, and I have the awesome Henry. I'm using the awesome Henry conversion kit to do it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Nice. I, it's one of it's one of like I think five different versions I've seen. And then you know the Funk V eight is is probably the most common. There's yeah. the, the Funk Straight Six. Um, I've seen a small block Chevy in one. The weirdest I saw a one that was swapped with a uh, Honda Goldwing flat six. <laughs> I've seen that one. I'm sure that makes more power than the damn flathead. <laughs> uh, for sure. Right. <laughs> Honestly, but no, this wow. thing, uh, it's just going to be, it's a, it's an APA. It's a, it's a going to be a bone stock APA flathead going in it. But I always, I saw it in a book one time. I got a kid, the book's still in my library upstairs, but it's a, it's this American farm tractor book. And I remember flipping through the thing when I was a kid. And there was an 8N with a damn V8 in it. And I thought it just looked so cool. And, you know, mine has um, mine has a hub over underdrive on it. So, oh, nice. Oh, nice. yeah. So the, the hub. So, yeah, the Sherman, like a lot of guys have the Sherman right. overdrive, uh, but the hub is like super rare. So it's an under and overdrive. So the with the overdrive, they claim the thing would go like 32 miles an hour. So when I first got the tractor, I, stuff the thing in overdrive and I have a guy follow me down my street yelling 27 29 and at at I bailed I bailed at like 29 miles an hour because it was like I was I thought I was gonna die like you the front end was the front end is like this the whole thing was wrong but it went almost 30 miles an hour which is plenty enough for me so but the hup overdrive is functional well stab the three quarter cannon and let's have some fun <laughs> there we go right yeah, the, the, phase, uh, three, the, the wild- phase three race cam is coming in hot. Yeah. <laughs> I think the wildest thing that, or the wildest 8N swap that I've ever seen was um, uh, I saw one sell at an auction last year. It had a Lincoln Zephyr V12 in it. Oh, Get geez. out of here. That's a, actually awesome. It was the coolest damn thing. Yeah. It went down to um, crap. Where did it go? Arkansas. Wow. There's a collector down, there's a collector down there. He just kind of got some odd tastes and he, you know, he got a he got a hold of that one. I actually wrote a blog post about it and kind of detailed out, lined out a few uh, a few of the other conversions out there. The other oddball one that you probably you probably saw in person uh, was a twin turbo seven three power stroke. I saw that at SEMA. tractor. Yeah, the firewire. Yeah, that's what that's who it was. And listen, they kind of there was a, a Hot Wheels a few years ago that came out called the Dragster, right? I, and they kind of recreated that thing. Um, they kind of recreated that thing in real life, which I thought was cool. The reason I think the Flathead V8 swap is cool, it's like 
to me, that was a functional swap for a lot of guys. If the ones that did it like mm-hmm. back in the day, to me, that was a because you're going to take that thing what from a two plow maybe to a three plow tractor. Like you're going to actually be able to do a little additional work with it. I got nothing against the other vanity swaps. I I think they're awesome too. But to me, that um, the flathead V8 swap in that thing to me just seems cool because it's it's on the level of being somewhat normal. <laughs> like it's yep. dumb, but it's not like twin turbo, you know, power yeah. stroke dumb. And they were available. Right. It's not super they were dumb. Available. You know, you, you could go. Yeah. There was a time when you could go to junkyard and get one of those engines, yeah. and you could do this. You know, it was yeah. it was accessible. Yep. I saw yep. at uh, Labor Day. There's a, a small town that this old guy guy had a flathead in one of the Ford tractors, and I'm pretty sure you'll never see a frown on his face driving that down the parade. <laughs> yep. I'm interested. We had a we had a commenter just say that, uh, uh, and I know that he uh, he used to provide color commentary with uh, Meekum when they do the Gone Farming. Carl said he saw one sell with a Jaguar motor in it. Oh, that's great! Probably a probably a three point eight, uh, probably three point eight line six. Like that's a traditional uh, dual overhead cam Jag motor. And listen, it, like. I would guess in England, like a Ferguson, like a, what a Ferguson TO3 is basically the same thing as a, as an 8N, right? I mean, when we're, yeah, we're right. basically I talking about the same tractor. So somebody in England yeah. probably came up with a swap kit to put a Jag motor in one of those. One would guess. I'm just blind guess, but that's awesome. And, and this, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be a homer for Ford on this one because I live close to Detroit, but uh, having worked on both, the Ferguson tractor was better. <laughs> Listen, listen, he totally boned that guy, right? He, I mean, he stole, yes, he, he stole the three point hitch from that guy, in my yeah. opinion, right? It wasn't that, that's not my opinion. That's like and history. Harry, he just Harry Ferguson engineered a better tractor than Henry Ford. I'm just going to be honest about it. He did. The, Your the power 20 was better than an 8N. Your power stroke is going to be in the driveway forever. It will never start again as, <laughs> because of that. I will leave that really tire tracks in your driveway this time <laughs> next week. Bring it. Actually, I'll I'll provide the ether. Oh, there. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> okay, we, we will need that. We will need that. We will I need will that. be there to film. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'll bet you will. You'll have a drone in the air and everything. Yeah, we, we'll we'll double time it. So there we go. I uh, well, so, I got a I got a go question ahead, for Brian. Sure. I'm curious from the from the announcer standpoint over your career, how has the technology changed how you deliver everything that goes on on the track? Because I mean, I mean the replays, the different angles, the the camera angles, and I mean like everything. How has that changed the delivery as you're presenting that from the different events? No, it's a good question. Um, so for me, it's a lot. Uh, it has changed a lot. So. I, I I say that so I gotta I gotta talk about this in a couple different ways. So the first way I'll talk about it is in the way that it took me to transition from just like calling the race as a PA announcer versus calling the race on TV, which is when you're a PA announcer, you have all the time in the world. You have the entire time when anything is happening to talk about it. On television, we have three hours to make a five hour race. So when the event announcer has two and a half minutes to call a pair uh, or three minutes to call a pair of top fuel cars, I might have 15 seconds. So that was the biggest adjustment I had where 
instead of being able to call everything in a live moment as it flowed and happened, uh, they tell you, hey, listen, uh, we're going to turn your microphone on 15 seconds before these guys stage, figure something out. Uh, that was the hardest part for me. And I'm still I'm still learning it, to be honest with you. Like, that's still a, an adjustment that I make um, at every race. The second part of that is at most races, we work out of the timing tower where I look at the racetrack. At many races, I work out of a truck where I see TV screens and I call the race off of TV screens versus actually seeing what's happening on the racetrack. So that's also kind of an adjustment. Now, the third level of that is on a call I was just on today, starting in Texas, I'm going to have a tablet in my hand where I can tap on any driver or any person or any whatever and get, you know, their lifetime, you know, statistics, uh, blood type, you know, next of kin, uh, all that information. I need your readers research department. I need that. Well, so the, <laughs> so the, the good news is I, I, that's me and another guy named Pete Richards that have kind of helped to build this entire database that they're making this thing off of, which is fine. And Bob Fry, of course, is a foundational part of that as well. Yes. And so that's going to be the kind of the next evolution. Um, so, yeah, the reason I like to go and do events that are not national events is because I like to flex that muscle. I like to be able to um, call a race as the normal PA announcer, which to me is more fun to a degree. I love the TV stuff and I love the excitement it provides. And I love being able to tell the story to a huge audience. Um, but there is a big degree of freedom to be able to call the race as it happens in the normal cadence of the event versus Let's take five hours and make it into three because that's that's our job. That's what we got to do. As you have had, you have a open invitation with me anytime you want. <laughs> I will. Indul- I will indulge you. That in. I, you tell please me when. Do, and please make, make sure I'm there with a camera. <laughs> I will. That's a show. That's a show I want to see. <laughs> I'd st- I still want to get you to Ultimate Call of Challenge, and COVID deprived us of the one opportunity where it was going to work. But um, I we yeah, we I would love I would love to see that event. Like having been part of the like the way tamed down version of that of the old Diesel Pirate Challenge, like this is that thing totally freaking unhinged. I would love to see that. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to get you there. We'll figure it out. It's just got to work out with the schedule. It just is what it is. Um, something on you know to touch on with the announcer part of it, you gave back big time this spring. You spearheaded an opportunity for a school, so to speak, uh, yeah. for how to do this within the context of drag racing. Um, not so much the the world that, that necessarily I live in. I, I cross over into both, but um, it was a, an opportunity to learn at the feet of someone like you who's a master of it. And uh, is there an opportunity for people to now sort of get those uh, those those videos or? or uh, um, uh, what I want to say, podcast versions of that. Yeah. Uh, to hear that. Yeah, there is. So, um, you can go to, it's, a the, um, it's called the NHRA drag race announcers group and, um, you can join it. You can just Google it. You can join it and you'll get the links to the videos that, um, were, were, have happened over the last really year and a half. And, and this year, to be honest, has been less videos or less classes than I wanted to have. I just, I did a poor job of scheduling. So we've, we've been probably down a couple of three or four kind of classes I would have liked to have had. Uh, so next year I need to kind of get more rigid on my schedule with that, but it's going to be ongoing. It's going to keep happening. 
Um, and it's, it's, it's a place where people that are aspiring to be race announcers, whether it's drag racing or tractor pulling or anything. Um, if you've never done it, you should join. If you have done it, you should join. It's a place where we just share ideas and talk about a lot of stuff. It's a weird thing to do because there is no real playbook on how to do it. And so to, to have these classes to me is important because I never had it coming up. Um, you know, I'm gl- I wish I probably did at some points. I learned, I learned my lessons the hard way as pretty much all of us do in this, in this occupation. So if there's a way to set something up where somebody can learn their lessons, the soft way, or not right. make a mistake that I made before they make it, I would like to have that happen. And, you know, these classes to me have been great because they've been open discussions. They've been great for so many people to talk about what they've been afraid of or what they've haven't known or what they wanted to do. So yeah, if you're an aspiring announcer, you can uh, just Google NHRA drag race announcers group. People will sign up for free and you'll be part of the next class, which probably happening after Pomona sometime. Cool. So what's cool in the driveway? You got, you got something cool. You still got Buford T justice or what we got? Only my tractor. That's the only, that's the only thing I got in the driveway. That's uh, that's anything. That's anything cool. Only my tractor. Yeah. Fair enough. Also, the way that door slammed, I think you're in trouble. Does not does not really change the narrative here. <laughs> well, if we're if we're up against, well, I know, those, it, I know those those classes are uh, those classes have proven very very beneficial for more than just race announcers. Um, I was in Indiana last weekend with Jer- or, or with with Jeremy and, and Charles and doing the whole thing and stopped by to see some friends and one of those friends is probably one of the most well-known pulling announcers on the planet right now nice. um, miles krieger and it, butch's kid if it, it, you know you probably heard butch announce whether you knew it or not back in the day butch is gone but both of his sons have have continued the legacy um and I sat in, in Miles' office uh, at his office after lunch, and he said, yeah, I sat and I've listened to those classes. They were really helpful, especially when, uh, what did he say? It was when he was uh, talking about how to handle bad things that happen on the yeah. track. Yeah. That's, and, and I think that's probably every announcer's worst nightmare. Um, it is. is yes. No, it is. Something something goes over, something's on fire, something bad things happen. Um, and there are a few guys in our sport who have, who have really figured it out really, really well. Um, but it happens relatively rarely, at least, you know, yeah. on a serious note, you know, you get guys who have flare ups and things like that and things blow up, but rarely, I mean, these days, do you see somebody really seriously get injured? Yep. Thank the Lord. Um, but, for miles, I know that was one of the things that he really appreciated was here's, here's how to handle that. Yeah. Yeah. And and to me, that was probably, that was probably the most important class we did. And, you know, it's, 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 that is, like you said, universal knowledge. It's universal stuff that should be known by everybody. It's just, it's, it's bedrock kind of bedrock best practices that should be used across, you know, kind of all forms. And, if nobody's ever told you anything and you see this happen in front of you, how are you supposed to know what to do? You know? So to me, that was a big part of why we do these classes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Big deal. Um, 
I, you know, I had to learn kind of, unfortunately, the hard way. Um, went through it for a long time. And, and in the last, whatever, three years, you know, went through some serious injuries and then, then had, and then had a fatal. And it's not fun. Especially when you know, as, as us as announcers, we get to know these people. We we yeah. interact with them. They become friends. They become family with us because it allows us to tell their story better. And when one of them suddenly doesn't make the turnout, yep. it's really not fun. No, it's a it's a, it's, it's a nightmare, total nightmare. Yeah. And and so the management of that there there's two there's two sides to that, right? The management of it, um, to for them. And for the people that you're speaking to is one side, and then you have the management of it for yourself, which is the other side. And, you know, the idea of, um, you know, placing, you got to place yourself in this kind of second, in the second spot, which is kind of difficult. But at the same time, you got to, you got to present the situation as you know it and as you have it. And then, you know, as things become confirmed or they don't become confirmed, that is your license to speak more about it. I mean, it's, it's a very difficult thing. It really is because you can screw it up bad and you can screw it up bad enough where it becomes a real big problem for everybody that you're with. And that, and that's, that's the nightmare. Yeah. I, in my case, when it happened, um, it coincided with a downpour. We were going to be done for the night. Gotcha. So it made it ugly for the guys who had a, deal with the situation but as far as dealing with the crowd they were already gone by the time we knew really where we were we were at because weather had intervened um yeah not not fun it's not something i ever want to live again no it's tough and um you know it's it kind of separates uh it kind of separates people from the the ones that have paid attention and and learned their craft and tried to learn the culture of what they're doing versus the ones that are just there kind of looking around going, oh, this is cool. You know, it's and I'm not taking a shot at anybody, but the, the idea of having people be educated on that is important, I think, across all motorsports. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. We can move on to a, uh, to a happier topic. Yes, that'd be let's good. Go, yes, let's that'd be good. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's let's talk about how much freaking fun it is to you, watch you and Freiberger call uh drag week. <laughs> oh my gosh. That has to be one of my favorite weeks of the year, just listening to you two insult each other back and forth for seven <laughs> hours. Yeah, no, it's 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 like a therapy, it's like a therapy session. It's like a weird, like a weird, um, angry therapy session for a week, or this case for three days because it got screwed up on Monday, um, having to stay in in Pennsylvania. But no, it's great. The guy's one of my best friends. We have crazy amounts of fun, um, making fun of each other and calling the race. But yeah, it's honestly, it's one of my favorite things to do. And having been on the first one. I think it makes it to me more special to be on as many as easy as I can be. Cause when you saw that thing start and there was really nobody there and it was just like a weird track rental with no people, it was, it was, it was pretty different. It was cool, but it was different. Nice. Nice. Now I know, I know one of the guys that um, actually I went to, I think he'd graduated by the time I was a freshman, but uh Clark Rosenstangle, name that I know you've known. Yeah, Clark. Yeah, no, man, the guy from Michigan. He's got that haul ass Camaro for sure. 
Yeah, he. Uh, my connection to him is uh, he rebuilt the first car I wrecked. It was, a, it was an 89 Chevy Beretta and uh, get out of here. I had a deer. Oh yeah. He put it back together and we got a few, uh, a few more years out of it, but uh, we knew he was about to go fast even back then. Um, he's yeah. He's always had, you know, some pretty wild, crazy stuff. And he's just, you know, now with him and, and Steve Morris, he's just kind of taking it to the next level. And it's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Good money. Uh, good body, man. Good dude. He's been around for a long time. He's run, standing mile stuff with that car he's running the the, the drag and drive stuff with that car but yeah you know, clark is uh clark's great his wife was like super sick for a while and super great to see her kind of up and about like she was yeah kind of wheelchair bound for several years and now she's you know she's kind of been able to get out of that but yeah no clark is uh clark's a hardcore guy super good dude and yeah he had it i want to say he ran 212 or 215 in the mile with the front of that car completely held together with duct tape one time at ECTA. So I have definitely most seen Clark at his finest moments and his finest taped up moments. Yes. Most, exactly. most ultimate Hulk Hogan haircut. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. By the way, Charles, yes. we need to send a bill to uh, duct tape. Yes, Thank that's you fine. The, we can do that. Thank you for the plug, Brian. <laughs> we can do that. Yeah, no, Clark's uh, Clark's a great guy. He's got a, he's got Steve Morris power in that thing, and it's a uh, it has been a fast car. And I think he got that car, the fifth gen. I feel like he got it. The thing like burned to the ground. It was like a fire car that he got for like no money that he built mm -hmm. into that thing that he's got now. So now it's cool. Clark is uh, Clark's a, a great guy. Yeah, and his uh, his body shop was was shoot. It was probably less than a eighth of a mile as the crow flies from uh the pulling track in my hometown nice so, yeah kind of neat um so yeah it was it's been fun to watch him and i always you know i always try and log in early when when that comes on because i know he usually is one of the first and i think he was this yeah. year i think he was yeah. the first to make a lick on that track always a group one guy and always a very very early group one guy he wants to get his one and done so he can get in the road yep. for sure Yep. So, yeah, it's been it's been fun to watch that, and it's always been fun to you know hear you guys call a name from my hometown. You know, I'm Not from great. a tiny, you know, I'm from a tiny town. We, you know, we raise dairy cows and we grow apples. You know, I'm an apple farmer's kid and and or an apple grower's kid from West Michigan, and to hear that, you know, and to see him doing big things is always kind of cool to me. Totally. No, the guy's I mean, awesome. Not far from the tree, did it? <laughs> did not. Dead so dead. when's uh, when are you guys headed west again? Headed west ish or midwest ish? Uh so uh, we head to Dallas next week. I'm leaving Wednesday to go to Dallas, um, and then uh, we go Dallas, Vegas, Pomona, and end our season. So we oh, are no, on the, sorry, uh, the final. <clears throat> we're on the final stretches of the uh, final stretches. Last three races of the year for us for NHRA. So yeah, Dallas, Vegas, Pomona. Yep. Nice. And drag week, do we have any plans for drag week coming back west? I know you can't divulge a route yet, but I don't think you know you those guys are talking about some stuff. I, I, you know, I don't know, you know, maybe there's some variant of it. I think they're, I would not be surprised if there's some sort of westward facing multiple drag strip event happening in 2024 via the folks at Hot Rod Magazine. That's what I'm going to say. Nice. Uh, well, the, I shall not brand it anything, but yeah. My local uh, Tom Bailey's got something going on with Death Week starting soon. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's twenty two hundred miles. I, they're going to be at our Vegas event. I mean, it's it's gonna, that's it's a lot. Be, it's going to be what it's it's titled as. It's going to be a, that is a large order that they're going through right there. So yeah, hey, listen, uh, I wish everybody on it luck, and I wish them the best. But geez, uh-huh. Louise, it's going to be wow. brutal. It's going to be brutal. They're coming to Vegas uh, for the NHRA race, so we look forward to seeing them. But my God. Like that is, that is self torture beyond self torture. I mean, I and you're paying for it. Like you paying yeah, you're for paying it to do this. Right. Yeah, you're gonna run through Death Valley and everything yeah. else, and and all the tracks that they're gonna go to, which it's still like it's still hot out there. Like it's not. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 an awesome and probably the greatest single feat for any street legal drag racing style car to complete this thing. But my God, that is that is that is a lot. There's a lot that's happening there. I am 100% glad I'm not part of it. I'm glad to see them and wish them well. Glad <laughs> so I'm not you, following them. So you're not going to be an announcer on that tour? No. <laughs> no. Negatory. Negatory on the Death Valley tour. I'm an Irish guy. My, my people pick potatoes in the cloudy weather of Ireland. I, I'm not I'm not designed <laughs> to be in the desert of uh, even driving through it. Not even designed to do that. That's it. I love it. Awesome. Charles, hit that we, comment. Not, hit that comment from Car- Carl Downs when you get a chance. That's a good question. Yeah, I will. Uh, let, let let Cody get in here. I was going to say, uh, since you're talking about events that uh, coming up, is there is there a track or an event that you haven't been to or announced that that you really want to? Yeah, I'd love to go over to Santa Pod, England. Uh, that's you know, to me, that's number one on my list. I, I would love to go over there and work with Colin and. And Luke and those guys, um, for any of their races, I think Santa Pod, you know, outside of any of the stuff in the United States, Santa Pod to me is the kind of pinnacle next level drag strip. It's been open uh, since the nineteen late 1950s, early 1960s. Um, it's really the crucible of uh, drag racing in Europe. Um, so there or any of the Australian tracks, you know, those would be the places I'd really like to go next. I've been to most of the big Canadian tracks. I've been um to um i've been at grand bend ontario i've been out there to um out in the, the western part of the of, of canada with the restore on the rocky mountain nationals out there in ihra but uh been at toronto motorsports park so to me the next the next logical leap is england or australia those are the two places i'd love to go this is one from uh, one of our commenters and i think this is a good one um, to, he, uh, Carl Downs wants you to tap into your inner West Buck and give input on how to promote motorsports sports uh, to the upcoming EA Sports kids or the iRacing kids. Yeah, you you have to get them to touch it and feel it. You know that to me is the thing, and um, it, you know the the idea, and it's the old man idea. The old man idea is that the, the video game's the gateway to get them into something. But I, I guess we just saw that movie that just came out where the video game actually was a gateway to a guy to become a professional race car driver. So to me, you know, that we always like, to me, the video game is the modern version of a hot wheels car that a guy played with in the seventies. Like, okay, so the video game is that hot wheels car. So now like, let's get him to feel his guts rumble a little bit when he hears some dude that's got a 10,000 RPM blown alcohol motor or some guy that's got whatever, uh, got a crazy pro stock tractor with some whack ass diesel in it. Like that's going crazy. Like what, what do I want that kid to experience? And so, 
to me, that's the thing. It's you have to take the interest and the basic part of it and just translate it into interest in real life. Seems really simple, but it's harder. And yeah. and the disconnect is the parents. Like we we blame the kids, but the play the kids aren't the problem. Like the kid that finds the video game racing cars interesting isn't the problem. That kid needs to get to the racetrack somehow, and that's through his parents. I, so I've never thought of it in that sense. The, you are right with that take. That's yeah, good. it's that's it's good. not the kid. The kid we always blame the kid. Well, this kid just plays video games. Well, yeah, because he looks at his dad to say, "I want to go to the racetrack." Well, how do we get the dad to the racetrack? Like it's a weird multi-level marketing scheme but we don't need the kid who's the kid's already hooked yeah like the kids the kids the kids hooked and we were let's let's be honest we're in an age where the dad is already thumbs like right. i'm playing yeah. madden 2k yeah. or whatever and like yeah. you know i'm building a dynasty you know we gotta get dad into it you know, to a degree, it's like you you have these games that are effectively interactive, and it's like you should almost be feeding tickets to these kids. It's like feed this kid tickets through the game somehow and be like, hey, Dad, I got two free tickets to go see whatever this weekend. Yeah. We're all adults here. If somebody says you can get in some for free, hell yeah. I'll uh-huh. go in there and grab a couple beers and hang out and watch whatever my kid wants to watch. But to me, it's it's not the kid. We always blame the kid. It's not the kid. The kid can't get himself to the racetrack. The kid needs to be transported there via his parents. And that's where the disconnect is. That's my take. That's that's I never ever considered that perspective of this issue. And you just nailed it right on the head. That's that's deep. Like that. Like that a lot. Carl, we owe you a beer for asking a good yeah. question, man. Carl, yeah, I you definitely owe you. See you at Shipjuana. I'll get you one. I probably should bail at this point. All right. I will let you go. Other than I left, lest the door slam again. <laughs> right. the, the next one's coming over the 12 gauge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We don't, we don't want that. that. We don't want that on we video. Don't that. We don't want that. Even you, if you, you are, are a red guy. Can't you are that. absolutely welcome to this program anytime in the future. And, and hopefully we can do it again. I'll let you go. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. No, it was great. I appreciate you guys having me on. I love the topics and uh, the discussion for sure. Thanks, Brian, awesome, so much. Man. I appreciate you. All right. See you, fellas. Thank you, bye. Bye. See ya. <laughs> bye. All right. Well, I can cross that one off my bucket list. Yeah. He, he was, he was in trouble with, he was in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the look on the, yeah, the look over his shoulder. I'm oh, I'm gonna have to pretty. do I'm gonna have to do some smoothing over and some uh, apologizing. <laughs> Maybe we ought to just get on ftd.com yeah. and kind of send a flower arrangement and say yeah, we're, we're gonna, I was gonna say need to send it to, to her, that? not to him. That's yeah. the point. Yeah, and the card will say we're we're sorry that we stole him for an we don't know, know how to do that anymore, though, because like we lost Dick Buckus today, and I'm not sure how to get on the FTD database anymore. Wait, say what now? Yes, you heard me. Well, shit. Yeah, I know. That's uh, wow. I'm glad you waited to drop that one. That well, sucks. I didn't mean to, but like we went to go get her flowers, and it's like FTD, and like, oh, you know, I just did what I did. Oh. <sighs> Yeah. I agree, Colin. I agree. And you're welcome. Happy to have him. And we will, Brian will be back again. That's the second time he's been on sidetracked. It will not be the last. I guarantee you. 
Maybe we'll get you on with him, Colin. We can do that because he he likes well, talking you, to people who push limits and do crazy, ridiculous yep. things. I've, I've been trying to line up. The past, yeah, I've been trying to line up like the next three or four guests, and Colin is one of them. Mm-hmm. One of them. I so, knew it. We'll, you know, we'll get uh, we'll get you in here. Absolutely. That was well, fun. That that I I'm. I thought like I was said thinking, I wasn't going to fanboy, and I, I don't think I did, but. I was kind of I was waiting to get him from what he does in his office, so to speak, where he does the nitro time machine. I was going to give him some shit about having a sure SM7B just for just for uh, Cody's benefit. And then he went he went like full on hardcore. Like I'm going to my voiceover booth with like the super cardioid mic. Legit. I couldn't even bag on him like. I almost asked him what Thank mic you, Brian. That was sweet. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting to waiting to have some fun with him on that one. I couldn't even he denied me. He denied me. And you know what? We never got to dork a motive. No. For those we of didn't. you who, who who do the podcast thing, I want you to just go Google Dork Motive or, or wherever you oh, get you your podcast. To. You need Dorko Motive. It's not all it's not all race cars. It's not mm. all tractor pulling. It's he has done one, one, on tractor pulling, I think. Um, EJ. he did the one on EJ, which is which he is did, part he tractor did pulling, EJ part thing, just yeah. lunatic. Yeah. Um, so it was tangential to the story. But he's covered. But, he's covered things about farming. He's covered things about. Everything from farming to firefighting. He talks about, you know, the the biggest, mm. baddest fire truck in the world and how it got its, you know, how it got its name and why and yada the yada biggest, yada. The and biggest goes, uh, steam river boat on on the Mississippi and its accident and the yep. world water speed record and um, a crazy race across the Pacific for airplanes that led into tragedy for a lot of people. Um, yeah, he's told some fantastic stories, and it's it, that was actually the that was probably the one thing that I regret that we didn't talk about tonight is, and, and I, I definitely want to highlight highlight for him and what he's willing to do, and that we're willing to do and will do, is the willingness to avoid the the snarky meme or or the quick soundbite or any of that stuff, and to tell the deeper story with context. Um, some of the videos I've done and want to continue to do, um, he put out one tonight, it it released about, I don't know, five o'clock this afternoon about, um, Ohio George and super gas and, and did Ohio George super gas, gas Mustang kill the category. And and the, the essential story was that no, that it didn't, um, the coming of nitromethane and floppers and everything was what was going to do it in. It was about, it's about a 12 minute watch um, where he is super blessed is in the access to the archives of knowledge for drag racing, to be able to tell those stories and, and give those contexts. Whereas tractor pulling, we are very much limited to tribal knowledge. What people remember. Yeah. yeah. And 100%. if there's, if, if there is photos, it's tough to get. And if there's video to get, it's even harder to come mm-hmm. by because I try um, to tell those same sort of stories. It's not that I don't want to tell them. 
it's just the the level of effort and involvement to be able to pull something like that off is so much higher and so much difficult, uh, more difficult than than what he's doing. And and he what he's doing is not easy. No. Um, I I admire the hell out of what Brian does with Dorkomotive Podcast. And if if you follow him on Instagram, same sort of story. It's one minute to two minute videos where it's not it's not just a quick easy something stupid you're going to get a contextualized story boiled down in two minutes. And that's where his, he mentioned, you know, the, the compression that he's under with the TV presentation to be able to tell a story. He's learned how to do that in a, in a very good way that I think I, I probably need to, maybe we need to with, with this channel to tell some stories as well to be, to, to chop out the, the, the relevant and, and tell some, tell a real story with Ken, context and do it in in a, in a minute but it's also going to rely upon you as an audience to pay the fuck attention for a whole minute and i don't know how many can do that because i see the i see the numbers that come on the backside of you know clip of the day and everything people hang out for 15 seconds they're not down for the whole thing they're not down for the read of what i tech type in but i'm not going to stop i'm not going to stop I'd rather tell the real story than go for the cheap shot or the funny or the meme or the viral. Do I want to do that? Yeah, of course. Are you kidding me? What what are we here doing? But uh, I'd rather tell real stories. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And uh, Chris Schertz, I think you may be right. It may not have been EJ Potter. It might have been. It it probably was Art. Yeah, it, it might have been. And that might have been in the, the greater context of something with a uh, land speed record because I know he th- I think he did once about that. And, he did talk you know, about that. Yeah. yeah, I think he did. I think he did. But he does, you know, and it's perfect for for those of you guys who who live your life. Oh, hey, in, look at this guy. Here he is. Holy yes, shit! Yes, I made it. Oh my god, he's here. <laughs> the black box is not the black box. Uh, Whatever. There uh, he is. Yeah. It's like 65 in my house because I was like, I'm not paying to heat it when I'm gone. It's so nice. <laughs> You're such a cheap ass. Uh, no, he's a he's a he's a frugal Smart. One. Well, he's when you're gone with his money, yeah, or maybe yeah. he's just an ass. I don't know. That too. Something. But, but no, I was starting to say for those of you guys who live in the combine or in the green cart, or in the semi this time of year. Um, Brian does, I mean, this Dorkomotive po- uh, podcast is not short form. No. Like the, the one on the the one on the the water speed record, he talks about, you know, speed boats. It's pushing five hours. It's like three and a half minutes, or three and a half hours long. It's long. You know, it's, and, and it goes into, you know, great detail and stuff like that. I mean, it's like you know, it's like interesting iron. The the column that I write, it's like interesting iron on steroids. Yeah, that one res- God, really I wasn't wish I had the access that he has. Well, and, and that was something I wanted to ask him about, and I don't know if he would tell us. Is oh. what, what is his research? You know, he does allude to it briefly about. I think it's newspaper dot com, and I think you have to pay yeah. for that, where you can find some stuff. But I and I don't have the interaction with that as a source. I think maybe even for tractor pulling, there might be some sources for knowledge even hidden in there. But how do you search it? And is it right? It does it does a search engine have any sort of intelligence to it? And even beyond that, 
with what he does for Dorkomotive, it is so wide and so broad in its its scope. You can't be doing that out of a need for a story. It has to come from an intrinsic connection with what the subject matter is. Like he believes in the story he's telling and it's interesting to him because how else would you invest the, I'm going to just say like to do the water speed record show. It's like four hours of podcast. He had to have had, I'm going to say 40 hours into reading and understanding and dissolving all of that into something that is a cohesive story and then writing it. Right. Um, and then recording it all. And then recording it all. But and I we mean, saw, we, so we, we, the, the only, the only piece of the magic we saw from Dorkomotive was we saw the room where it's recorded. We got to see right. that. <laughs> right. But I think he's got, he's got a, a room of doom in the basement with a, you know, with, with, the, I know what Mikey was using that. That was pretty sweet that it wouldn't work for this, but for what he was doing. Bitch. But I think he's got such a love and a passion for motorsports and everything in general but that's what drives that, you know? Yeah. I mean, like he was talking about, you can't get cornered into one section and only live in that section, like being able to transpose and kind of flow through the different, uh, different areas of motorsports. That's kind of a, a big, a big deal. Yeah. He showed off. It's I mean, not he... even, it's not even motorsports. I mean, hell, I think the last, the last Dorkomotive that I saw that he released, it was like two and a half hours on freaking the invention of the Ferris wheel. Yo, yeah, that was another one. That <laughs> yeah. was another one. Yeah. The so Chicago at some point in time, he had to come to the point where Alice Chalmers' power units painted purple, powered every Ferris unit, uh, Ferris wheel like in the world. Oh, so they. So did. I suppose it, it's With still the tied the back to the did. They yeah. did do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's just amazing what he's able to do and, and focus his time, and that's the bigger thing focus his time mm-hmm. for as busy as that man is to be able to pull off what he does in terms of driving content this week um in the front of the office we've had the the uh, nhra classic channel up and you know nitro time machine is all him there's a bunch of shows that come up that's all him doing the and he's taking the time to do a voiceover work for a bunch of that and today must have been Throwback Thursday because we deep d- dived into the seventies. We had Chris Economaki um, nice. videos today, which was which was well, uh, led me to be very know, distracted, I'm... very distracted. But uh, it was good. What was that Cody? That's my ADD kicking in. <laughs> no, I didn't hear what you said. I was getting rid of uh, notifications and it clicked oh. on the video. So again, like, but. I have to multitask to be able to accomplish things in life. No, it was it was kick ass. Um, glad to have him, and you know the the the, uh, the the invite does stand to him, and I will tell him that. Like anytime you want to be back on this show, like I I want more of that with him. I you know we've told his story before, and his story's been told far and wide. Like I'm not interested in you know doing an interview with Brian Lawrence. I you know that's been done. I I want. I want to hear what he has to say and what he understands about the sport. And uh, he gave a big piece of that to us tonight and uh, very thankful for that. Yeah. It was good. It was good to hear him say that the overall health of motorsports is good. 
Yeah. Because I think we get we get stuck in our own myopic bubble. And that bubble includes all of you who are watching tonight. We all get stuck in that bubble where we think, oh, tractor pulling is dying, blah, 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 blah. And you're right. You know, we're right. It probably is. At the end of the day, drag racing will be long, around long after tractor pulling is dead and gone. And I think that's a fair statement to say, and I'll argue with it. But to hear that motorsports is still alive and well, um, I appreciated that. Uh, that. That was good to hear. And, you know, I mean, it's guys who are doing different stuff. Um, you know, I don't know how many of you guys paid for the subscription to Cleeter Vision, but Cletus McFarland is doing some amazingly cool things. And Brian's been part of at least one of them. Um, I guess at, at uh, IRP uh, with the burnout box. And, but, you know, there are, there are still some, some parts of motorsports that are alive and well. And to the extent that, you know, we can do a better job of connecting with kids. And like he said, get the, you know, or maybe getting the parents or the grandparents in our case, um, bring the kids to the to a tractor pull or a truck pull or you know any motorsport event that's you know good for everybody all the way around i had really bad signal when uh when he was talking about that but i think one of the big things is the transparency of of the the transparency of everything that's come through is into i had a good run i had a bad run you know the guys are doing this in the pits or you know whatever i think the transparency of the teams has become more critical in showcasing that stuff um, and I think that's, I mean, I think that's part of the reason, like some of the motorsports is growing a little bit is that transparency into actually going on instead of just a, a closed door, you know, you don't get to see it back there. Um, I was laughing because you talked about Cletus and, and the first thing on the timeline as I scrolled down is, uh, Cletus dropping a car off and says, the guys <laughs> fixed my car and they scratched it. Come see the scratch at, uh, uh, FL2K type of thing. So. I thought that was kind of funny. So it, no, he, it's a, it's like a beater car. Uh, it's oh, a beater oh car. it's a shit box. Okay. Fair but enough. He posts, he posts a picture of it, like perfect paint, like, you know, paint corrected and everything of like, here's the day I dropped it off. And this is what it looks like now. It's all sun faded Supra and everything. So <laughs> it's like, the all right. Well, thing. but like one of the last videos I watched of, uh, of Cleaters was, was that nine 11. And I thought, <laughs> <laughs> Somebody put a scratch in the 911, and that yeah. would make me hurt. That yeah. would hurt my heart. But I think that it's like you know we talk about new faces, and and you know Charles, you uh, you talk about uh, you know who's coming into the drag racing. But I think it's it's stuff like this and some of these channels and these guys that are pushing the limits, you know. And and that was one of the things I loved about Ken Block. And you know I was in I was in Detroit, went to the uh, the Henry Ford Museum, and got to see uh, Ken Block's car from. Uh, that was that was kind of that was kind of neat to see that um but it, these guys that are pushing you know motorsports and it's getting more and more people involved in it and i think that's that's kind of fun to watch and uh, see that type of thing so well, i don't want to keep us going too much longer but two things i do want to do um i discuss this for sure with ryan i don't know if i discuss it with 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 cody or not um two parts that I want to make a, a piece of our program every week, or at least every week that we do the show is number one, what are you reading? And because the three of us 
love to be f- photographers and, and do what we do. Like, show me a photo. Just every week, show me something that you love and, and that you took and it, it, what's something you're proud of from this week. I'm not going to put you on the spot with photography thing for this week um, because we didn't necessarily talk about it beforehand. Um, and the, on the book side, um, just tell us what you're reading. What's the, what, what's the thing that you're into and uh, you, you're uh, looking at? Because we're all nerds here, and I think it really does inform a lot that we do. Um, I'll go first, and I'm even going to put up here uh, what uh, what it is that I'm in the middle of, and I'm trying to knock this thing out because the next thing that's coming behind it is huge, I think, for for this show and for us understanding motorsports on a bigger level. And I'll get to that when I, when I do get it delivered uh, ordered this morning, but uh, um, we'll save that one for later. But uh, here's, here's what I'm into. Um, but I can't, I cannot talk and work this stupid shit. Words are hard. I get it. Yeah. It's what like, you're yeah, saying is you don't. Yeah. Not multitask. Anyway, here it is. Driven to Crime is the book. It's pretty thick. It's like 500 pages. Um, what it's about is every single chapter is a short story. So it's it's kind of easy to read because if you're if you're busy or whatever, like you can knock out four or five pages and and read out one particular story. But in every case, it's somebody affiliated with the motorsports uh, worldwide who has some criminal sort of uh, uh, tie-in. And, and I'm here to tell you, when it came to England, particularly in the United States in the 1980s and 1990s, boy, embezzling money was a big deal, and it was super freaking easy. Holy shit. It was was amazing. And and number two was running drugs. And now, like, you know, weed weed is legal from here to Christmas around here. It's 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 incredible. Um, but this it's it's a fun read. Um it, it it's quick and easy like i said you can you can just you can knock out a chapter a night or whatever and it's you know from from four to ten pages on, on a particular uh individual and their their story within the support so that's uh that's what i'm in the middle of right now here's what i'm in the middle of whoops survival ah, of the fastest okay speaking of people who Randy have a chapter featured in my book <laughs> yeah, I, I would hope he's got a chapter in your book. He has a chapter in my book, which I've already read. And that book I have read is fantastic. Yeah. It tells a story. And and, and, and he, he links to other people who are not only not in this book, but some who should be. As, <laughs> as racers, as, as, as racers, tangentially through him. And as truck pullers. Which has never come up, which we learned about right. this last weekend that there was a connection there that never came up in the uh, the video or the that book. It doesn't mm-hmm. get mentioned. No, no, there Randy, Randy Lanier never mentioned, uh, never mentioned this person. Um, I don't, don't know, know that, that I'm, I'm going to either. No, and I don't know that I'm going. Uh, I won't either. But um, some of you people probably know Gerbaugh's watching. I know damn well he knows. Uh, Gerbaugh, yeah. do not put it in the comments, no. please. <laughs> yeah, please don't, because people will see it. Let's. We're going to keep that one. That dickhead's going to put it in the comments. You know he will. Well, then <laughs> it's on him. We love him, but you know. Then it's on him. But no, we're going to keep that one buried. I don't. I don't. Mm. Not... We're going to leave you to figure that out. 
But Randy, Randy was um, good enough to bury that honor and carry that honor. We're going to carry it too. Now that said, Randy Lanier's story is amazing. And yes. if you don't get into books because you don't have good. time thank or you, whatever. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Appreciate it. Love you, buddy. Um, there are several terrific podcast interviews with him. Dale Jr. did a two-parter um, on the Dale Jr. download Excellent. probably in 21, I think. You go back, scroll back through, you'll find it. Think it was Randy Lanier. I think it was, I, I think I listened to it. I feel like I listened yeah, but to when it, you listen to it doesn't well this year. Like it was, it was, it's recent. No, nah, it was way before that because I remember listening right. to it when snow was on the ground. Okay. Um, That's fair. But uh, he did one and then um, Matt Farah uh, with the smoking tire. I don't know how many of you watch, listen to the smoking tire. Another excellent podcast on the sports car side. Guilty. Um, Guilty. Cheers. Might have, um, might have been influential in some things that happened for me. <laughs> yeah, perhaps what's parked in my driveway or in my garage. Um, but uh, excellent story. The guy, you know, the guy's done his time. He's, he's, you know, he's paid for his sins, so to speak. Um, and it's just really interesting to listen to him talk about what was going, uh, what was going on. And yes, there's have been if, one if hour, you're not a podcast person. One hour. Yeah. Yep. Get on the. Uh, uh, what was the? What is the name of that series that it falls under? It's uh, not a standalone piece, but no, it's, it's no, it's like, not. It's one of like eight. Yeah. Um. I I can look. I can look. But it's it's a a series dedicated to, you know, crime in sports. I think if I remember right. Yes. Yeah. Like. I, I didn't watch any of the other ones, so I'm not going to sit here and speculate. Some of you guys have probably watched it. So, yes, it. throw it in the comments. If you know what it is, just throw it in the comments so people can find it later. Um, But, yeah, that was that was a terrific, you know, just a great story. And, um, yeah, like it does, uh, like I said, it does actually have a connection to truck and tractor pulling. It's kind of interesting. Um might have to do a little digging to find it because like we also said randy doesn't kiss and tell hmm. but yeah the reason there were so many uh that if you if you ever go back and watch like 80s sports car racing you'll see a ton of you know what not a ton but you'll see some cars you know 911s and and sports cars of all sorts and even you know even some of the the higher echelon stuff like Indy and and uh, F1 with no sponsors on. The, There's the, a reason. The uh, series is called Bad Sport, and it covers there a bunch of stuff from like figure skating to all kinds of stuff. But the, the episode you want is called Need for Weed. Yeah, which features Randy Lanier. Or you can go watch the interviews about you know Tony Harding, you know kneecapping Nancy Kerrigan, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you don't, know, we don't judge. Don't, we don't, don't judge. Don't spend no. time on that. No. No. Anyway. But uh, yeah, you'll find him. His story links into a lot of uh, uh what it what was the what was the acronym that in the late seventies, early eighties for IMSA International Marijuana Smuggling Association or something. <laughs> yes, like that. That, that was know, the it, thing. Between Randy Lanier, the Whittingtons, and John Paul Senior and John Paul Jr. It was it was bad. 
<laughs> it was bad. My uh, now, my my reading list is uh, can uh, lately has been considering uh, what time my alarm is set for. Um, so, but it's uh, the one that I've started, and actually, uh, Natalie Parrish um, just finished this, and she was ranting about it too. But uh, is David Goggins? Um, it was it was Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, and that's one that uh, I've started, but haven't really made it very far in. But that's a that's a really good book. So from everybody that's read it, I've got another one that uh, I'll share later on once I finish this, you know, in six months or 12 years. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem is, is we get a little bit of downtime, just enough to get through the first like 80 pages of the book. And yep. then we don't, you know, then life gets busy and yada, yada, yada. And suddenly we can't, you know, was it you and I who talked about this one, the, the Can't Hurt Me deal? This is a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is a U.S. Marine. Yep. His story? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's a, it's a, it, it's a very interesting story. So, uh, fun fact is when I previously worked in sales, I bought the audio version of this and thought, I'm going to listen to this because I fall asleep reading books. Yeah. That doesn't work very well when you're like on the phone all the time and you have to restart you know, 20 minutes prior to figure out where you left off. And then you like, don't even make it through those 20 minutes. You get a phone call again, or you got, you know, this or that. So I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just buying a book. And so I bought a book and I've made it a very short distance into the book so far. But, uh, so, but that's, that's the, uh, that's what's on my docket. I have another one. Um, I don't remember the, the name of it, but it's by Greg Stuby and, Again, my ADHD doesn't allow me to sit still very long, and I have to be doing something. Um, I listened to to Greg Stubbe talk. Um, he was in the military, and he was in an IED explosion, and his guts were outside of his body, and they're trying to figure out how to shove him back in his body. Like, he should not be alive today. And I've never been so captivated by a speaker and I've listened to, yep. yeah, I've never listened. I, I mean, I've listened to speakers all over and, and, you know, but I've never just sat there and just, I don't think about anything else. Like my brain goes a hundred different ways all day long. You ask either one of these two and I've got a hundred different thoughts, like on, on, a, on a Rolodex. Waiting to it's like, ridiculous. It's <laughs> utterly ridiculous. The things he sends us. Uh huh. Yeah, like I mean, I'm it's just, a I'm, Rolodex I'm, of all everything that's going through my head, and like I just sat there, and there, it, it's one of the reasons that I love, you know, taking photos of stuff is because you think about nothing else than five thousand horsepower coming at you through a lens, and that's. <laughs> but, but yeah, just, so give I mean, a, just give them a middle finger and be done with it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's the that's the other one that's on my list, and like I said, I'm I'm lost uh, the name of it at the moment. But but uh, Greg Stubbe, like that was, I mean, he he's does motivational speaking stuff now, but um, that was that was a good one. So all I want to know is, did they use duct tape, and can we send duct tape in another invoice? <sighs> I don't think they use duct tape. Um, well, damn. But yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, him him talking about it. I mean, it was you just you just sat there in awe, and and the fact that you know he signed the book, gave you a book, 
and took a picture with you. Um, you know, it was, it was, all, it was, I don't know, it really made you think about things. And that's, you know, one of my big things in life is appreciate the small things. And when you sit and listen to something like that, I mean, you, you think about that even more, you know, it doesn't matter if it's you know, flowers in the road ditch when you're driving down the interstate type of thing or anything like that. Just, I mean, appreciate the small things in life. And I've kind of been notorious for if it won't matter in five minutes or five years, why bitch about it now? So. Agreed. Agreed. I'll tell I you why bitch uh, about it. Huh? Because I have the internet and I have a platform and damn it, you're going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> and it lives forever. We made right. sure of it. Yes. I'm going to throw out there. Um, you, I talked about that. You know, we're, we're, we're going to do it like photo of the day or whatever, photo of the week. I'm going to throw you with them on uh, just because I want to inspire you two guys to do this. Um, it doesn't, you don't have to respond this week. Just like think of it for the future shows or whatever. Um, I want to do this because I think it's fun. Just, just something for us. Mm-hmm. Um, be self-indulgent for a minute. Um, I threw this one out there. Um, I took this. Uh, I was back away from the track, and after at SDX, we talked about uh, getting kicked off the sideline, and you know, kind of what it would do, and um, had the opportunity for this one because I was back uh, with uh, Greg Jolly, who is the race director for the Outlaw Diesel Super Series, and Ralph Maybrier, who is from total venue concepts and does all track prep for all the drag races. We were just chatting and screwing around. And um, that's Amy Gilbert in the foreground there. And uh, this two, six truck comes ripping through there and I forget who the hell it was. And Greg takes a picture uh, with his cell phone of this, this event and um, sends it to Amy and is like, you make a better door than you do a window there, Amy, you know, just, <laughs> just having some fun with her. And so so I made the I made the post I posted this photo. I said, you know, I had a great time with with Greg and Ralph, and uh, you know, we both chose to use the the foreground that was available to us, which includes a fantastic photographer in the form of Amy Gilbert. And <laughs> I, just, I, I, I steered people to Amy's page, and and I do believe you she does suck she up. Does she does take great photos? But I said, she uh, does, you know, hundred percent. Uh, you know. Two of us, two of us used you to show foreground speed and and the, the violence and power that is the sport of truck and tractor pulling, but only one of us did it on purpose. <laughs> I uh, I just sent you a picture, Charles. Ah, okay, all right, yep. So that that is one. Um, again, I had some time to kill, and uh, so I went through the Henry Ford Museum, and uh, oh, I can't wait to see what this is. That was uh, that was uh, Bill and Bob Summers. Oh, Goldenrod. Yep, I already know. I already know. Yep, and um, it was it was really interesting to see that like, uh, they were born in Omaha, Nebraska, and and you think about this like you know like where they were at. I mean, they both ended up in Colorado, but they were born in Omaha, Nebraska. It's in my backyard, and the fact that like two guys resolution looks like wow. yeah i can't but help that. anyhow <laughs> uh but the fact that like you know the, the, the these guys i mean they converted a vegetable stand in their home in california you know and there's four there is four motors underneath the hood of this thing to make and it I, work i don't remember 
if Summers used, did they use four Hemis or four Pontiacs? Chrysler V8s, hemispherical. It was four Chrysler V8 hemispherical combustion chambers. It was 426 cubic inches each of them. So you, and, and you see two air intakes there, and one side is crank to crank, the other side is crank to crank, and one's driving the back axle and the other's driving the front axle. That was that was the part that threw me for a loop is I didn't realize that two of them are driving the front axle and two are driving the back axle. And like so as I'm walking through, I I see this from the front and then I walk around to like read everything about it because like I don't know, it, it just I've seen pictures of it, but to see it in person type of thing and then and then to read more in depth about it, it was um that, that was a that was a fun one. It had two Spicer five speed manual transmissions in there um with the first gear removed, um, simultaneous shifting, you know, with a special Hurst shifter. And that was I mean, I don't know, it was just thinking about that when when they did that, you know, um, you know, when they did that, it 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 was in 1965 and it held the record until 1991. Like that's impressive. That that's not a short time span by any means. The fact that they made that work in 1965 um, at 409 uh, point something something. It just I don't know. It just it makes you sit back and think about some of that stuff a little bit about like the engineering and, and you know what it has happened since then. You know, to your point, Charles, when we had some, you know, it makes me think. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember who broke that record at that point. Um, the standard guess would be Breedlove, um, but no, it's not because he was out of it by then. Yeah, I don't remember. And I don't oh. think it. Uh, God, it's it's driving me nuts because Vesco was all turbine stuff. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, so the other. I mean, like I said, there. Man, I you could have spent hours and hours in in that museum um, in Detroit, but the fact that I didn't know that they tried running a turbine engine in Le Mans that didn't take off. That was kind of interesting. Pretty sure they tried running them, running one at Indy too, didn't they? I don't know the answer to that one. Al Teague, that's the name that's coming to me. That he was the one to break it. I think it was Al Teague who broke the summer's wheel driven record. You know, there was all that time where we had stuff going on with, you know, you know, the Vesco's with Turbinator and and then all the unlimited records that were thrust driven. I think it was Al Teague. That was the name I think I was looking for. Anyway, sorry. And Al Teague had a, like a single blown V8, I think with a partial shot of nitromethane in it. Um Trying to run that. As for my photo of the week, I put it in the private chat. Pick one. I don't care. Okay. <coughs> Actually, I see three there. Three posts. Yeah, just pick one. I don't All care which. Right. I will do that. 
Oh, okay. I know where you're going with this. I like this. I like this a lot. I like it a lot. Because there's a story behind this. Like this very, very much. This is awesome. That's the one I felt I thought you might uh, you might choose. Yep. So my caption on this was this is the photo this is the future of motorsports right here, folks, or motorsports media. Yes, it um, is. And truthfully, I think that I firmly believe it. I believe it in the case of one. Uh, one of those two young men. Uh, uh, one the of them. One? one of them's not going to be able to escape it because by birthright he can't. Well, and really both of them can't. Well, no. My my question is whether or not the kid wearing the media penny, the which on me looked like a crop top, and it was. Yeah. <laughs> we won't go there, and uh, I can't remember which of you said, but crop tops are cool. It was PK Phil Kelly. No, no. Crop tops don't look good on fat guys. They don't look. They look great on on some people, not on fat guys. Hello. Anyway, back to the story. Um, so the kid in the blue shirt is Jeremy Wagner's kid. The kid in the white shirt is John Gingrich's kid, and John is. I believe I'm right when I say he's an employee. I think he works for Jeremy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does he? Okay. Yeah. So he was manning. The, yep. He was manning the concession stand um, all weekend at, at Wagler Motorsports Park, and uh, uh, I went up there to grab a, a Mountain Dew or and something to eat, and uh, he asked me just kind of you know fairly you know just making small talk. What advice would you give to somebody to a young kid who's trying to grow his following and and start into motorsports media because I was wearing, I had to wear one of those media, you know, tank top, crop top, whatever the hell they are things. Um, and of course they gave me a large, I am not a large, I'm much larger than a large at any rate. Um, he asked me the question and, and I gave him a few pointers and, you know, so on and so forth. And, and I asked him, who's your kid? Because obviously the kid wasn't there. The kid was at the track taking pictures, which is what I was supposed to be doing at the time. And uh, so he told me, he said, he'll be the one that's running around with Wagler's kid and not wearing the the media thing. And uh, so just so happens, you know, I walk back to the track and there these two are. And the reviewing photos together which is the same damn thing that Charles and Cody and I will do all the time. Like legit all the time. Did you get the shot? No. Did you? No. Well, I did. Oh yeah. We you know, and we do like as photographers on the <laughs> sideline, like we everybody thinks like we're in competition with one another. We're not. Like we we all we all look right. like you know, something goes down and we all look at each other like, man, did you get that? And if, if somebody <laughs> does, we're like, holy shit, it's awesome. They, you know, that's sweet. I can't wait for you to post that. Like it's not and spoiler yeah. alert. It's usually it's usually Cody who gets it. Yeah, Cody's it, usually well, I'm the guy who I got it. We're, we're not. Uh, we're seriously not competitive. And if you are competitive on our sideline, guess how long you're going to last in this industry? Yeah. Bye. 
Yeah. I just have like stupid cat like reflexes. And sometimes it's a curse when you drop a ser- or like a knife that Ryan sharpens, you drop it and you like end up stabbing yourself. It's not fun. That's the <laughs> one good thing that comes out of it. His <laughs> cat like reflexes mean he wears a lot of band-aids because he bought a knife from me once. I will be bringing a drawer full of them for you to sharpen a ship. Yeah, you won't yeah. have any fingers left after I'm done. That's fine. I'm good. I'm good with that. His, his wife no, is I'm like, not. I'm not it, because you have to hold a microphone with something. I guess fine. I'm good. I'd like I dig rocks out of tracks with my and, and we've hit it. we've hit our third invoice to duct tape for the night. Uh yes, we have. <laughs> We're gonna have to upgrade to uh gorilla tape. His his wife yes. is like, dude, he spent eight hours sharpening that knife. I was like, yeah, I know, I know, and I was like, I've got, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got I, proof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as he holds up three fingers on I'm a fine. hand, I'm fine, I'm fine. And the worst problem is like two weeks later, I'm trying to cut open, like cut a zip tie up or something, and like I knew I was holding it wrong, and I oh and, my gosh, yeah, you I held it, up you foot, like, it towards you. You did, you didn't pull it towards you, did you? No, I I was going away, but it like when I went up, it like went through and like poked out the top of the nail. I was I, like, mm, I, I, that's I gonna hurt. Yeah. The only the only broken bone and the only stitches I've ever had both been in this finger, <laughs> and for different reasons. And the stitches were were self inflicted knife wound because I wanted to pull a knife away from somebody for a deliberate reason. I pulled it towards myself because I didn't cut them. Yeah, guess who I cut? Me. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, and I left it jammed in, and I walked over to the ambulance. And it was at the, it was at our county fair uh, during the concert. Concert. It was uh, oh shit, somebody in the nineties who was big. Um, oh, doesn't man. matter. Whatever, it doesn't matter. But like, I left it jammed in because I knew pulling it away was bad. And I walked over to the ambulance. And I go, I did a thing, and like, yeah, you didn't <laughs> in the hospital get stitches. <laughs> So I missed the whole damn co- Lone Star. It was Lone Star. Lone I, Star? Missed Lone, uh, I missed Lone Star because I stabbed myself. So when I was a kid, uh, I had a, not, I had not, a, in retrospect, no, it wasn't. I had a I had a neighbor kid that had a uh, he bought a Ninja Star that had three blades on it, and when you would throw it, the blades would expand, and they were like a curved blade. So there's three curved blades. And I don't know if I threw faster than or what, but I went to throw it. And as I'm coming over the top, the back blade opened and I still have a scar that it sliced all the way down. <laughs> and I looked down and I'm seeing bone and tendon. I was like, mm, that's good. And all I remember is I ran straight to the house, to the bathroom. I shut the door and I was like, what are you doing? I was like, nothing. And I super glued it shut. <laughs> and we never spoke about the neighbor's kids ninja star ever to this day. And, uh, yeah, it was just one of those deals. It, it happened. So, this yeah. is why you don't buy Ninja Stars from the mall or Amazon. That's that's fair. Uh, this is why you don't buy Ninja Stars. Period. Yes, I didn't buy it. He bought it. I just uh huh uh huh. You know. So anyway, the uh, um the kind of the PS to that photo that I took was this is the future of motorsports yes. media. And um, Charles and I all weekend were tickled to death to see those guys being so damn excited about what they got to do. Um, Because that it means that when we're dead and gone, there's going to be somebody who's still amped up about this and still excited about it. Um, Go ahead. Well, into to what Brian did with the NHRA drag 
DRAG deal uh, uh, to an, coach new announcers back over the spring, too. Um, there was some deep, good knowledge about how to do this business. And, you know, they'll know that we're like, we're not, we're not scared of new people coming in. No, not we at all. Want, we want new people to come in and, and, and assume that mantle. And frankly, if you do it better than us, awesome. Like I'll step Good. aside, like I'll get out of the hell out of the way. Um, I, we want that. And, and I know so does Brian. Um, yeah. We're passionate about the, the maintenance of the sport so that we can continue to enjoy it, whether we're participants in it or not. Um, it just, it does mean that much. So um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's cool to see that, that next generation, seeing them be photographers, seeing my kids do what they do uh, just, you know, across the board. Like I, I want to see young people, somebody under 20, you know, it, this is a big thing right now uh, on the diesel drag racing side is all the nominations going on right now for drag illustrated 30 under 30. And there is plenty of people who are deserving of it. There's plenty who have earned it in the past. I I'm looking at, I'm looking for the, the, the 20 under 20. Cause who's coming behind them? Because when you're right. 30 under 30, you're, you're a badass until you're, 27 and then you get married and you want to have kids and you want to and you want it and you want it and all of a sudden like you were the baddest shit under the planet under 30 years old and then you disappear yeah where's yeah. that where's that 20 or 20 person coming from that is going to be a lifer that's going to be us that's going to that's yeah. going to stretch into their 40s you know and and like and you'll be uh, not to make it about me i'm not trying to but you know this is my this is the tail end. This this next weekend is the end of my twenty third year. The tail, my the tail of my twenty third year, and it's a, it's a it's a goal for me. I want to make it to fifty. I want to make it to fifty years. I want to do that. So where's the where's the kid who's coming in behind us, who's young, that has that goal? Like fifty years from now, I want to be doing. I want to be doing this. Because yeah. that's what keeps it alive. That's what keeps it going. Eli Emming, we're talking to you. Yes, Eli would be Eli. Yeah, great call, great call. That was the, that was just the guy I, that that came to mind first. And he's you know, putting in the time. And, have you met him? Huh? Have oh, you yeah. met Eli? Yeah, great guy. Yeah. Absolutely, good dude. Good dude. Technically, so, the company that he works for is a tractors and auctioneer partner. So yeah, nice. So, so those of you who are listening tonight little bit different version of sidetracked and expect both expect the the rants and the tirades but expect the the deeper thoughtful respectful piece expect what's coming in the future um that book that i mentioned that i ordered this morning some serious perspectives on the business and the marketing and the engagement and the Greenwashing, the sociability, the politicization of motorsport are covered in this book. It wasn't cheap to buy it. I'm excited to learn what they had to say in it and bring it to all of you. Expect the intellectual to be a part of this besides the motherfucker stuff. Because it's going to be both. It's going to be both. And as far as media goes, 
expect us to give shout outs and things like that. And, you know, expect to be surprised, I, mean, I guess, I guess in the, yeah. in, in the end, expect to be surprised when you think we can't do something, be ready for us to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, see, like the, the most amazing thing that we will probably do within the first year of this show is get Adam Wilson's face on camera. <laughs> oh, I already, I already did that. How I amazing had, will had, that be to had, actually meet who, him? I, got I don't him, know. I, I, got him, him. I got him to do it at Florida, Indiana, but I had to agree to throw my phone into the racetrack to do it. <laughs> right, exactly. I called him. actually get him to come on, and if we're lucky, he'll bring Tiff on as well. Well, she's, and we she's can better get to look husband at husband wife him anyway, so that's fine. What do you say? Exactly. That. Uh, but I called him the other day, and he didn't answer. Yeah. Yes, I did call you, Adam. Dude, if we were, if we were I was hours, like 20 we minutes from your hours, house. If we weren't two hours into the show already, you would be getting a phone call right now. And quite honestly, if you said that you were willing to do it, we would probably call you anyway. Yeah. I was I was 20 minutes from your house, man. So yes, I did call. And I left you a voicemail. Oh, so oh, he's, he's dude, already where he's already me. where I'm going. He's already where I'm going. So oh. like we could do like video shit with him because yeah. I'm going to Coonley. I, I will be there. I'll be there late Friday night. I won't make it for practice, but I will be there for Saturday and Sunday for all the racing. I am. Oh, I want to go. 60 plus see, trucks the, the best part is, all the way to Texas are showing up. And the mm-hmm. best part is if I were to be able to go this weekend and I can't, um, I would bring Iowa weather with me. It is straight up legit yeah. horsepower weather. It'll be sixty degrees in Iowa on Saturday. I want it's, it's raining in Michigan, man. I drove through. I, I drove oh, from Charles home. It, today. It's been raining here nonstop since like it's like five fucking hours at this point. It's been raining. It's like yeah. grunge bands are like starting in Detroit now, just because of all the rain. Yeah, yeah. Everybody you know, thinks flannel pro- started in the Southwest. Bullshit. No. no, it started in it, it started in Seattle where it rains every freaking day. No, it started here where it rains every fucking day. Yeah, well, that too. Yeah. You're between two lakes. Like, what do you expect? I'm just saying. Two? You better count. Well, I'm yeah. just saying east and west. Call me. Normally come from the east and the west. We're surrounded yeah. by four of the five. Yeah, so yeah. you're wrong. You're wrong too, but I'm just saying from the east and the west, like it's two lakes, lake effects type of thing. Well, he gets a little whiskey in him. He just gets to be all full of knowledge, doesn't he? I'm on camera like I couldn't before. I'm just saying I would have Ain't care. <laughs> Five Great Lakes. I grew up in Michigan. He lives in Michigan uh, still, and he grew up there. Oh, yeah. Not two. Very nice. <laughs> That's right. Good old so anyway, family. for those of you who are going to Coonley this weekend, I'm jealous. Sort of. Michigan's a beautiful state. I think you like it a lot. I want to know how long you've been waiting to play that one because it's got to been on the board forever. And you're just like, uh, yeah. somebody's got to make a Michigan comment. I just have can, to play can, this. Can, can, we, can we please can we please agree that that'll never get played again just because <laughs> Tom Cruise kind of sounds like a serial killer in that? Just Maybe. saying. Okay. He can't Good, promise thanks. that. I, I can promise you that he cannot promise yes. that. Right. That. So anyway, right. yeah. Yeah. Um, have fun at Coonley. I would come. I would. I would go out. I would drive out there. Um, except that 
I'm actually going to become this is and I'm not throwing my shingle out there to do this on for very many people ever. Um, I was asked to shoot a wedding this weekend. Ooh. I don't know if I told I don't know if I told either one of you guys that, but no. yeah, I'm shooting a I can now add wedding photographer to my resume and I'm no don't don't do it, not it's do a not. trick. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I will not shoot your wedding. Just on principle, I will not shoot your wedding. I did my brother's because it's my brother, and you know there's no one on the planet I will do that for besides my brother. Mm -hmm. Period. Not nope. gonna happen. I've done wedding videos and wedding pictures. Nope. Never again. Yeah. Just so. For the record, I will not. I'm not agreeing to shoot anybody's wedding anymore. Um, <laughs> now that that said, the person who asked is a is a great guy. I love him dearly. Um, he's my CFO at work, and uh, I did not say yes because he was technically the guy who signs literally my paycheck. Um, but yeah, it's not going to be a thing for me. But um, I guess I'm going to dabble as a wedding photographer this weekend. Yeah, pray for me. Thanks. I'm but otherwise, I would probably consider driving out to Ohio to watch trucks run up a hill. We'd rather you did. Yeah, I know. I told I, I told Charles I, I told Charles like I, I mean I would really consider like jumping in the vehicle with you if I had not been on the road for two weeks. So, and uh, I am gonna go shoot some. Uh, some ag stuff this weekend with a drone and oh, a video camera. Like money. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but well, the uh, fact is, the reason that you said no to, or I mean, that you didn't impose your will on Charles and like move into the house for a couple of days so you could go down there, was because you were too cheap to go and buy then another six pack of like Fruit of the Looms. Well, he did buy me dinner, so I mean, there's I, that. Yeah, I bought him dinner. Well, that's fine. You could have bought yourself underpants. Well, that too. But I'm just saying, like, Charles drives a small car, and you know how I pack with, I've got two drones, a camera bag, and a suitcase All and of the damn things. You don't want to be unprepared. You don't want to be unprepared. If I know that I'm going to be, like, let's I put could, it this way. I, I, I would have put my, my GTI in the bump stops. With all he was smuggling back to Iowa. <laughs> this is true. Lord have mercy. <laughs> I hope I you realize when, when I got home, I carried in my camera bag that has my laptop in it. I sat down and I still have to unpack the vehicle. And there'll be four trips of bourbon <laughs> into the house. It'll yes. be 13 trips in total. That's yeah. how heavy he packs. Like I have learned that whenever I go anywhere with Cody and he and I do uh shoot a handful of shows where we actually carpool um those are the weekends where i where i beg my wife can i steal the the audi because it has more trunk space for his things yeah i'm not, because... gonna, I'm not gonna lie gti life i really do miss a trunk yeah straight cold miss it i'm just i'm just saying like when you've been stranded places for for a week uh, you really miss fresh clothes. So I do pack heavy. Um, and, uh, and then it's always, you know, when I've, I've got a couple drones, a couple laptops, a couple, you know, camera and suitcase and in the necessities of bourbon, like that's, that's a thing. 
So he takes his job so seriously at this point. He carries his own personal backup drone to make sure the job yeah. gets done. Yeah, and then doesn't back charge the company for this. This is this is a man who is dedicated. Mm. And he carries his own personal stash of bourbon. <laughs> it got expensive. I'm not gonna lie, dude. I got I gotta be honest. Witnessing that last night, what you do, like that shit is like straight up in my nerd. Channel like I loved it. I, it was cool. I enjoyed it. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. It's not. It's not very often I get to Michigan. And you get to see some of that stuff. You know. I mean, that's. No. The, you know, it, it, it's it's different. You know, being able to see it. You talk about it, but be able to see it firsthand. Of like people don't understand what happens and what you can see and what you can do, and then and then you see a, a final final map of what happens and and be able to understand it. It's yep. it's completely different to, and like it's just scratching the surface of you know. Um, there's a reason that, you know, here at the end of the month, I'm going to thermology school to, to be able to be a certified thermologist to understand and be able to read those maps better. But yeah, it was cool. And, and to do it in a place where, you know, where we were, you know, geographically to be within FAA controlled airspace and, and the extra layer for that, it was cool. I, I appreciated it. it. It definitely struck a chord with me. You got a cool job, dude. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Good. I mean, it would have been a lot more fun if I was like two weeks later and not having to drive through the night through Michigan to be able to see some like color changing because like it's all black at night and you don't see much. Uh, when you're, you, you where, we, where, where we were, you wouldn't have seen any of that shit. You'd have had to go way north. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah, two hours go back weeks, up towards my area. Two weeks later, though, like it would have been a completely different story. But I mean, it was. Uh, let's see. I finished it at the hotel at two thirty this morning. Neighborhood uh, we were in, the only thing they would have changed is the hoodies got a blacker. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the, the second one, like I said, that uh, so that's the, that's the fun fact is uh, it's controlled airspace. It was the first time I ever ran into controlled airspace only during daylight. After hours, it's not controlled. So you go to put through a, a lance authorization to fly, and they're like, nope, you don't need it because it's not a controlled airspace at night. Um, and like, I, I mean, when you're going through testing, uh, that's one of the things like, Hey, what, what are the hours of the controlled tower? And I've never ran into that until, um, the second flight last night. Do you so, show any of that shit on the show or is that too much, too big of ask for, for tonight? Um, I don't have any of that in this computer. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get some screen grabs sometime. We'll, uh, we'll go through that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cool. Well, yep. to me, it's cool, I'm, but I'm a nerd, so. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's a, a, there's a lot of people just think, uh, you know, drones are just used to spy and whatever else, but. Oh, yeah, we had, like, we had a couple of the approaches to see, you know, as we were bringing it back in. Oh, you, you got a drone up? Yeah. Oh, we flipped you off. Yeah, okay, well, we weren't looking at you anyway, so whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and that that's a, no, that was a legit thing, and I mean, the, the when when we started like doing this um uh so we're doing thermal roof inspections and there was a guy that was contracted to do this by hand so he would legit get up on the roof with a hand uh thermal inspection and go through this and we're doing it with a drone you know i mean that that was the old school way i mean utility companies have done this for years they've got a handheld and they're driving along the power lines and they're, that's all they're doing. And now you can do it with a drone. Um, I mean, there's there's so much stuff that like drones are used for. It's not just TikTok real or TikToks and Facebooks and, and stuff like that. Like it, it it's a legit tool 
that you can utilize in more than just for social media. And um, that's the thing is, you know, I mean, there's spray drones that people question about, but the flip side of that is like understanding the rules and regulations of you can't just go buy a drone and go fly it wherever you want. You can't go fly over an event. This is a, it, this is a big thing that we talk about, like at events, yeah. you can't fly a drone over 400 feet without approval. Um, you can't, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's rules about flights over people. And I see this all the time and it's just like, well, that picture has, this many FAA violations. There's so many different things about a drone that like people don't understand of what you can and can't do. That thing has a tail number, just like an airplane. It's, I mean, Charles saw it. I registered it with the FAA for my flights up there. It is a legit, I mean, aircraft. And, you know, um, I, I, I had an old neighbor that says, uh, well, if I see that thing over my house, I'm going to shoot it. Granted, he was probably a, a you know twelve pack in at this time at, at five o'clock in the in the afternoon because he's a retired and a and boomer and a boomer. And I said, I, I looked him straight in the eyes. I said, I hope you like prison. And he goes, What? I said, <laughs> It is a felony. <laughs> it is a felony to shoot down an aircraft, whether it's my drone or the neighbor's plane. It's a felony. And he's like, Well, I said, You ever seen one? He said, No. So I went and got it out of the vehicle and showed it to him. And I shit you not, by the time his wife got home, he says, Ruth, you're buying me a drone for Christmas. And it's just a simple, I mean, Brian talked about it. It's education. It is education yeah. going through that stuff of, it's not that hard. I mean, you know, to, to get your part 107 remote pilot certificate from the FAA, it's a 60 question test. They're all multiple choice, but you have to be able to read airspace charts and weather statements and know what's going on and that's uh, it's it's such a useful tool it's not just a toy and it that's was, what a lot of people think it was kind of funny like you know you and i had never discussed any of this before and had you know i i but i knew what you were going to do and at one point you know knew we were in a certain airspace you, you know you're pulling the phone out and tracking airplanes <laughs> and i throw my phone and i'm going i i pull up my flight tracker i'm going yeah that's it Nine thousand five hundred feet inbound, whatever to Metro, and and we, you just kind of at one point you kind of looked at me like, you get that on your phone too. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I do. <laughs> I'm I'm in there. So like, I, you know, I just I get it. It's it's there's a certain thing that's just you know it's it's just another thing. It's the the funny part is uh, so like once you get in aviation, you like see a lot of this stuff. Super nerds. Yeah, yeah. Just, got, yeah. I just had to say it for the record. Fine. Once, once you get it, it's once you get all this stuff, like you realize, like all the stuff you can track. Like uh, my boss, uh, she tracks sharks, and I didn't know this was a thing. You can like they have tags on sharks that you can track and see like when the last time they surfaced, how old they are, like all this stuff. And I was like, again, super nerd. Like, and she's like, oh no, because like when we went to Florida to fly for the hurricane, I'm sitting there like, and she's like, she's like if it's flooded, we're not going there. I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, those sharks have to go somewhere. I was like, what? <laughs> and she pulls it up. She's like, oh, well, this shark in this name. This one's this at the level. Holiday Inn and this one's yeah. at the Ramada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, she was looking at them and she was like making sure they weren't in the area. She's like, oh no, they got out of the way. I was like, they're not stupid. They know like yeah. when a hurricane's coming. I was like, anything that washes up on shore is just stupid and they probably deserved it. But <laughs> 
but yeah, I mean, like it, there's, there's a lot of that stuff that you can, you can look up and there's a lot of free resources to see that stuff. And that's, you know, um, that, that's the big thing. It like, you go to, you go to a drag race, you go to track point, any of that sorts, and you see drones flying over most of the time, that's a problem. And, and it's a problem from an event standpoint of their insurance has to cover that. If that, yep. if that thing crashes, you know, and that's, it's a lot, it's a huge, like, I mean, Charles, you work in insurance, you get that. Yep. It's a huge liability. Um, unless you are certified by the FAA, you know, the rules and regulations, what you can and can't do. That's a problem. I mean, all the, man, even, you even know, beyond that, at certain events, like I'd say in drag racing world, like they don't want you falling, flying over the track because they don't want you to be a distraction as a racer. They're concentrating yep. on a tree and trying to react to stuff. You yep. know, it's it's a it's a competition disadvantage as well. Yep, and and that's 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 part of it. I mean, I mean, it's a safety aspect. It's a from all aspects, from from a spectator to the driver of everything, and um, it's 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 a big deal. So, um, if if you guys are watching, you have a drone. Don't fly to at any type of an event unless you have unless a you permission and you no, are possibly. certified, you know, to do that because that's, I mean, the FA is not a, a like a local state government, it's federal. So, yeah, it's a big deal. And, like, you know, the biggest event that we do, Ultimate Call of Challenge and Outlaw Diesel Revenge, we're within the same sort of flight parameters that you and I were last night. Because yep. we're that close to Indianapolis's metro airport, so you've yep. got the same problem. Yep. So, All I want to know is, can you fly it over the sharks? Yeah, I mean, as long as you're not in like Riceville, Florida, where the Blue Angels train. And as long know. as they're not in the Ramada with all the other hotel guests. <laughs> yeah. There's there's, enough, if you, there's, if enough, you, there's there's another website with maps for that too to tell you where you can't do it. Yes, right. but if you fly indoors, the FAA has no jurisdiction in there because it's indoors. So great. Now we're gonna have like fourteen people. How many are nine people <laughs> flying drones into the walls just because they can? Boring. I might be one of them. I don't know. Let me tell you, I've worked with a lot of law enforcement flying drones indoors. It is very entertaining. <laughs> well, didn't didn't you say that after that we had departed last night that uh, uh well I maybe shouldn't tell the story. Never mind. Forget it. <laughs> if it's what, a story that I think it is, it's it's kind of entertaining. <laughs> yeah. But just probably the, not for public like consumption. Yeah. No, it's I mean that's that's the thing, is like, you know, e even if I mean you can fly. <laughs> You can fly indoors because the FAA has no jurisdiction, but make sure you get the right aircraft. Um, and, and, and make and, sure you put your propeller guards on. Otherwise, you're going to be fixing drywall. Or the drone. Because uh, that drone will suck into the drywall like a vacuum cleaner. It'll suck right into it, and then it flips oh, over. I, and I guarantee you the guys that are fixing the drywall are all union, and they want you to chew the <laughs> living shit out of it because they're paid by the hour. Yeah. Or your wife makes you finish it and fix it because you screwed it up. You're, you're gonna fix it. In my house, yeah, and I don't have a yeah. wife anyway. Well, Cody uh, knows my wife, and he knows that that conversation would happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then, then again, when I'm house sitting with you, and I have to update firmware on the drone, and the cats are like looking at that, I'm like, hmm, this would be real entertaining to fly in your house without prop guards. <laughs> Oh, I'm not gonna. I, I'm not gonna lie. I updated the firmware in my drone on my drone about a month ago, 
Yeah. And oh man, those cats were and oh I I it was it took everything I had not to yeah not to just you know take it off and bring it up you know three feet above the coffee table and scare the bejesus out of them. When I when you fly it, but... when when you fly at a farm and like all the farm cats come out and like who what is this flashing beeping thing at you and then like you take off and they're like looking at it it's like mm, we're gonna buzz the tower let's go. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a cat in a haircut. No, it's not. But I will say, like, I mean, that's the thing is, like, um, if if you're and this is the other thing is, is if you're getting monetization or you're doing it for an event for any type of uh, promotion, you need to have your Part 107 certificate from the FAA because those fines are not cheap. Uh, prime example: there's a guy that did reviews on drones in uh, Pennsylvania. He took a drone off of a parking garage, flew it out and about, came back, whatever. And the FAA came in and said, hey, you don't have a part 107. You don't have this. You don't have this. And we need you to make corrective actions, take the video down. He chose to ignore it. He got slapped with $182,000 or $87,000. So that's that's a thing. Like You don't have to get direct compensation for, for doing that. But if you monetize or promotion of a business and stuff like that, get your part 107. That's all I can say. All right. I've got to stick a fork on this one because I've got to suck all this out and uh, repost it uh, to YouTube and do the audio shit. We're going to kill this thing. That works. Word. Hey, why? by the way, before we go, None of us, not one single one of us, asked Brian Loans if he wanted to go out for fajitas. Oh uh, yeah, we failed. We failed. <laughs> With Lyle Barnett. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. inside joke. If you don't understand that, and and lots of you may not, go watch the uh, Shake and Bake Show. <laughs> Just pick a random episode. Yeah. I pick on Lyle Barnett. And we love Lyle Barnett. He's he runs a Mustang called the Beer Money Mustang, and uh, also has driven just about everything except top alcohol, top yeah, and top fuel. So yeah. and he's cool, and he has no eyebrows. And there's a cool story behind how he got there's him. There's a really of. legit story behind that part too. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, stick a fork in it. We're done. All right, let's go. See you next See time. You guys. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, yeah, though. It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo.